Good day, beautiful people. Thanks for all your continued support of Kiko's Freethinkers Forum. We've reached so many people around the world and domestically, and I just want to say thank you from the bottom of my heart. Please subscribe to Kiko's Freethinkers Forum on our official YouTube channel. We have all of our video archives located there. This will remain a free service with no paywalls, but we encourage everyone to subscribe to Kiko's Freethinkers Forum on the YouTube channel. We will keep the podcasting platform, the audio version, but we're going to make a transition and emphasize more the video component per request of all the beautiful people out there listening and viewing our content. So again, tell interested friends and family, subscribe, and remember, you can't unthink free thought. Good morning, beautiful people. Welcome to another episode of Kiko's Free Thinkers Forum. I welcome a very special guest in my presence. His name is Randy J. Delaney, and he's running for mayor of Kenosha, Wisconsin. He's actually a native of Kenosha, Wisconsin, born and raised. And uh, we're going to discuss a plethora of issues today, um, not to be limited to uh, policing, homelessness, um, Randy's unique background, his upbringing, um, his political journeys. Uh, we have a lot to talk about today. And uh, we crossed paths in an unexpected way, but I'm glad we crossed paths and we can maybe talk about this some today. But um, this is going to be a wonderful episode 60. But I want to say, Mr. Delaney, welcome to the show, and we appreciate your acceptance of our invitation. Thank you. I appreciate you having me. I'm glad or, to be here. An acceptance um, invitation, whatever you want to call it, it was a mutual thing because I've been following Randy for a while on Facebook, and apparently he had been following me pretty closely too. And, you know, we've been more or less exchanging here and there through like likes and posts and stuff like that. But the last month or so, we've been exchanging DMs and stuff. And so got to know a little bit more about Mr. Delaney. And so I think it's important for um, him to not only share his mayoral platform on Kiko's Free Thinkers Forum, but also, you know, how he got from this point to wanting to participate in public office and um, electoral politics. Uh, because uh, I know he's been involved in a lot of di- direct action work as well. But I want to say before we start, um, consider telling your friends and family about Kiko's Free Thinkers Forum. That it's unique in the sense that um, I am an educator as far as my background is concerned, but I became frustrated with um, academia because a lot of people in academia like to talk with each other, but they don't like to talk to the actual people on the ground. And so the point of this forum is to also bring on academics but we need to have people who are part of the working class, people who don't necessarily have college degrees, high school degrees, but they can get the benefit of the same information that they wouldn't be able to get um, in these glass ceiling type environments. And so we want to make that information public and accessible for everybody and, and not behind a paywall. I just ask to subscribe. If you like what you see for free, I don't want any of your money and tell your friends and family to do the same. Um, Mr. Delaney, where's your background? What is your journey? We know you're from Kenosha, Wisconsin. Um, how is Kenosha, Wisconsin? Where exactly is that? And um, how's your upbringing in that city? Um, in, in Kenosha, I would describe Kenosha is like pretty much smack dab in between Chicago and Milwaukee, um, right on the border of Illinois and Wisconsin. But we're on the Wisconsin side. Um, do you want do you want me to tell my story, some of it? Okay, I mean, I can I can start. I was born here. Um, my family moved, relocated to Houston, Texas. We also lived near the Fort Worth area. This happened for as I was a toddler for maybe one, two, three years. I don't really know the whole story because I was just so little, you know. 
then we moved back here and then we ended up um in toma wisconsin up north um it's about three and a half hours up north in about central wisconsin kind of above uh wisconsin dells uh, above, above madison the capital and anyways um growing up there was a lot different than growing up here in kenosha because i ended up back in kenosha I'll, I'll get to that but uh in toma i'll tell you a couple things that happened uh I, I was playing with uh, matches. I think one of my, my brothers was t uh, showing me how to play with them, and I ended up burning the apartment down. The apartment, you know, went up in flames. Um, I think my brother Bo got, got blamed for it, and and my sister for decades thought she had done it. So it, it's just amazing. I'm just uh, so grateful that nobody got hurt in that incident. Um, but there's also other incidents. There was a time where all four of us, me and my three siblings, we got stuck out in the lake. Sometimes the, the lake would, Lake Toma would drain down the dam into the river. And we were out there walking on it and we were stuck, all four of us. And it was like quicksand. So we were pretty much on our way to death. Yeah. But um, we will talk about policing later, but I do have a good story of policing. The police, but the whole community showed up and they made a human chain and literally pulled us out of the lake before we died. Like, you can't make this up, but I got wow. tons of stories like that's, that's yeah, that. That happened. Yeah. Um, but then, uh, you know, and like in, in second grade, uh, I got pulled out of class and we, me and three other kids, cause I would get, uh, my schoolwork done quick and my, my head would always be heavy and I'll just lay my head down. And the teacher realized like, I, I need to, you know, be taught something else because this isn't enough for me. So they challenged me. I was doing like fifth grade math and other subjects. And then we ended up moving to Kenosha, back to Kenosha because of personal issues. And, and we stayed with my aunt for a little bit. And then we, we, we stayed at, you know, it wasn't the, like the greatest places to be staying, but I got to meet a variety of people because of where we lived and, you know, the schools I went to, you know, and, th and things changed. So I went to Jefferson Elementary um, and then I ended up going to Roosevelt Elementary. I don't know. I might just go through my school background, I guess, real quick. I went to Roosevelt Elementary here and then I went to McKinley Middle School, which is not there anymore. Um, and then I graduated from Tremper High School and... I guess I can go into my college degrees, too. I got four college degrees, uh, two from Gateway Technical College, one in accounting and one in um, professional communications. And I have a bachelor's degree from UW-Stout in professional communication and emerging media. And I also have a master's degree from UW-Parkside here in Kenosha um, in sport management. And I graduated last year in 2022 in May. Um, I really didn't tell you the story, though. Like, I got into the education part, but... Um, it's a, it's a lot. And I hope to have it on my website soon. I had a website up. I had to take it down cause it wasn't mobile friendly and I, I got a lot of information to add still. So I'll get that back up. I can, I can tell you what it is though. It's uh Randy J for mayor, Randy J Delaney for mayor.com. Um, is my website. It will be back up as soon as I'm able to get it back up. Um, I don't know. Why don't you ask me some more questions that usually helps me. Helps oh, guide no, me doubt. A bit. no doubt. I was just, um, trying to get an idea into your backstory. Um, and I appreciate that information. Um, we know that you're born and raised in Kenosha. Is this a big city or um, what size are we talking about? Because you say you're sandwiched in between Chicago and Milwaukee. Yeah, um, it's, it's right about 100,000 people. And it's been like that for a while. At least the sign said it never reaches 100,000 some, for some reason on the sign. It always says like 99,000 something, but there's <laughs> got to be more than 100,000 people here. Um, but it is, it's been a lot going on here. I guess I'll go more into my story as I got older in, in high school, cause I, I did very well in school. I didn't, I wasn't good at making friends. I, I mean, I, it's just been hard for me and I, I've been 
wondering if I have autism. I'm going to get tested hopefully soon. I seen a doctor yesterday trying to get a referral because I, I think I'm somewhere on the spectrum, but I, I don't know for sure. So I want to find out. Anyways, um, when I got back here um, in middle school in eighth grade, my, my family moved to Florida without me and because I was stubborn and I didn't want to go. But it, what happened when they left me, I, I stayed with a, a, a friend of the family, I think it was. And then I ended up being homeless kind of, but I had to jump around from different places. And I was about 14 years old and, and I didn't, I didn't go to the end of eighth grade. So I, I even watched some of my friends go, walk by my house, going to school some days, you know, and, and it, it, you know, kind of mess affected me mentally, you know, I was sad. Um, but they ended up passing me through eighth grade because of my grades were well enough. So they, they pushed me through to high school. But what happened was my mom and my sister and brother, my not my oldest brother he was already doing something else um but they were down in florida and my my brother Bo, he stole my mom's car drove it all the way back to kenosha from florida and then me my mom and my sister actually caught him on a dead end and my mom jumped out of the car and yelled hey it's it's mom Bo, you know stop and we ended up helping him i think he ended up turning himself in and stuff but he, he's he had a lot of uh trouble his life was troubled and he was in and out of a jail and in prison and he needed help you know so what, what happened when, when I was 16 and he was 18, he got killed in a car accident here in Kenosha. The, the car snapped in half. My brother broke every bone in his body and his buddy, uh, Don Hall got decapitated. And the, the, one of the leaders around here, they were saying that this is the worst accident they've seen around in Kenosha, Wisconsin, in the last 25 years or something at the time. So it was just horrific. And, and I had a, I had a job. I worked for a union. I was at Piggly Wiggly. I worked there for about three years. This was my second job. I worked at Max Deli before that. This I started when I was 15 years old, um, and it, it changed me. But I went back to work. None of my family talked about it. I didn't get no therapy, no help for nothing. And I don't think my, my family's been pretty broken, so it, it's it's hard for any of them to talk about it, you know. And some of them still haven't healed from that completely, you know. And we're talking. This is almost 20 years later. To the to it was last month. 20 years later, you know, this happened in um, August 2nd, 2003, when he when he was killed. Um, so, so I, I, I did make it through high school. It was a bit of a struggle, you know, and I didn't, I didn't really know what to do going forward, but I, I graduated. And then after high school, I, I didn't, you know, re didn't really have plans for college. Nobody really told me about college when I was in high school, which is odd to me since I was a really good student, you know, for so many years. Um, but what happened on, it was, um, Christmas Eve, the, um, 2005, I believe I, I was at, at home at my mom with my mom and her boyfriend lived there. And, um, I, I, I went to sleep down in the basement. Next thing you know, he's kicking my door through threatening me. Um, the boyfriend is the boyfriend did. Yeah. And, and I thought he was going to try to kill me or something. I, I'll tell more of the story. I, I, I was drinking. I, I mean, he offered me a couple beers, but I'm at home with my family, you know, and I, and I drank a couple beers and went to sleep, you know, and, you know, I was only 18. I shouldn't have been drinking, of course, but th that wasn't the issue. The issue was that he, he, I don't know what he wanted from me or what, but I was already sleeping, expecting to wake up on Christmas, you know, and instead he's kicking my door through. So I had a deadbolt lock on the door, but it's a wooden door. So he's kicking it through his legs, coming through the door. And I grabbed the, it was like a little, um, some kind of cooking knife. It, it wasn't like a huge knife, but it, it was, you know, it wasn't sharp enough to, so I, I, I got through the door or something. I don't remember the whole details, but I, I, Ended up putting the knife in his leg, and I ran upstairs and locked myself in the in the bathroom and called the cops. When the cops came, I, I was afraid 
of what they would do because I've seen what they've done to my family. Like all my family's been locked up. A lot of it's petty crimes or some of the, some of it wasn't crimes at all, you know. And I'm talking about my immediate family. All of them have been locked up by Kenosha police. Um, but so I, when I told them this story, I, I told them that he had the knife and we struggled and the knife ended up in his leg. But they left. They left. And, and and then came back and they said, well, that couldn't be possible. So then we ended up both um, in this in in jail in the cell and he's yelling at me. I mean, it was still self-defense regardless, but, I, you know, I was scared. I didn't know what to say, you know. So I got charged with felonies. I don't know how many felonies I got charged with, but I never I was never locked up before that, you know. So I didn't have a criminal record or nothing. So I'm locked up and the boyfriend's in the other cell at, at the police station. He's screaming all these evil things at me, you know. And then uh, he ends up getting bailed out of jail from my mom. And, and I'm sitting in there and for the weekend because it's, it's a holiday, so you can't even go to court on the weekend. And, um, you know, people are – I'm in there with, with – with some of these felons are actual criminals, you know, and they put me in the same blocks as them because I'm facing felony charges. So, they, you know, they're telling me sick jokes and all, you know. I'm just a, a little skinny kid, you know, a little 18-year-old. Um but I ended up getting out on a signature bond. I I ended up going to my dad's, with, who I who I've never really, I, I hadn't had the I had good relationships and bad with him over time. Sometimes he wasn't present, but there's there's details to that. His, my grandma left for 20 years, so when he was 10 to the age of about 30, so you know he he's been abandoned himself. Um. So what happened is I was with my dad and I had a couple of drinks with him and we got into it. So next thing you know, I'm back in jail. Uh, this was on New Year's. That's like the same week. And I get out on a signature bond again because, you know, I don't have a criminal record. Hold on. I'm going to grab a piece of gum. Um, but um, so I get out on another signature bond and then now I got nowhere to go. No mom, no dad. I'm homeless, you know. So I, I was scared. I didn't want to like yell on the street and something happens to me. So I got, I went back to my mom's house thinking maybe, maybe I can work things out and be okay. You know? So I go in the basement into my room and I'm, and I think my, my sister or something mentioned to the boyfriend that I was down there. I, he got a restraining order on me after all this. So the, the police came and I'm just in the room. Eventually I, you know, they took me to jail because of the restraining order. And now I'm on a $500 cash fund. Well, I don't have any connections. I don't have any money at that point. So I stayed in jail for three years on a $500 cash bond. And during that time, I got choked off my feet um, by two different inmates because, you know, I, I'm in the I'm in the, the the felony blocks. You know what I mean? I'm not in the, the dorms with, with the misdemeanor people. So I got choked off my feet on two different incidents. And then the, the one of the major incidences that I talk about a lot, what I try to tell people about is, um, the guard, and I'll say his name, and I'll, and I'm willing to forgive him if he if he ever apologizes. I think he works for the sheriff's department at this point. Um, but he was a he was a guard down at Kenosha County Jail, and he set me up by two inmates. He he said something about Delaney's this and that, and if I see something happen to him, I'm turning a blind eye. They pretty he pretty much made made, made it like uh you know a free for all to do whatever they want. So I heard these two inmates who pretended to be friends with my brother, the one that got killed, Bo. And they were talking to me before and then they, but they were talking about taking all my food, taking my dinners tonight and in the future, all of them. And in the Kenosha County jail, they underfeed you already. It's terrible. You know, and that's something I'm going to be fighting for too, not just for the food, but they're like the conditions and just, just so many things, you know? Um, so, but so, so, I, let's, I, so let's backtrack. 
what were you in jail for for three years? Like, what were the charges against well, you? Well, this is three months. Three months. Three months. Okay. Um, but I ended up um spending the, like I was in and out of jail for for two years. I think it was about twelve different times I was arrested. Um, but the charges on that that last time it was um violating a restraining order. Okay. Like, you know, so it wasn't even a crime really. I mean, I guess it is, but you know. I didn't even understand it. I'm, I was going to be homeless. I was just trying to go home, you know? Um, so I'm in there. Well, I mean, it started with self-defense, you know, but self-defense didn't work for me. It might work for some people, but it didn't, it doesn't, didn't work for me. You know, there wasn't no um, justice with that or, you know, but anyways, so the, the guard, the guard leaves. And then I, I know what's about to happen. I heard what he said, you know? So I, I got up on the little stool and I, I said this, I said, something about if you're going to let them take my take my food and blah 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 then everybody in in this block are bitches that's what i said those are my words <laughs> and and then one came out of one cell because they were like hiding one came out of one cell and started and bashed me from one side and then the other one was already on the other side and they took turns bashing my head and bam 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 um eventually the the next shift guard came in this red-haired guard and he, he pretty much helped save me like the other inmates in the block could have helped me too but they didn't Ain't nobody was trying to help me, you know. So he, they ended up um, taking me out of there. They put me in this weird place on this slab of concrete. It didn't make sense because I had all these huge lumps on my head. Like I thought I was gonna die for real. So luckily I didn't die, you know. Um, but the state picked up charges. I I had to go to court. But before I went to court, they put one of the offenders in in the other block that I got put in later on. They put him in there with me and he threatened me. To not say anything in court so when i went to court i didn't you know i didn't want to get killed in jail or something so i yeah i said i didn't see what happened so the, all those charges got dropped you know mm. and then the story goes on like you know i get out i don't i'm i'm pretty much homeless every time i get out basically because i don't i i don't have anything in place there was no rehabilitation in jail like i i'll take responsibility for what i did because i wasn't obviously i wasn't perfect with with everything that happened but I've I've taken way more I've done way more time than I should have, and and it, it, it's just been ridiculous. Sometimes you get you get put on probation. If you don't have a residency, you, that's gonna fail. You know, you, you got to have somewhere to to be located for the probation officer. You know, they got to do home visits and all kinds of stuff. You know, um. So, so I mean, I, I oh go ahead. No, I was going to ask you because this is going to relate to something that I want to get to about um your positions and your your policies for the people kenosha because you you're sharing these experiences that directly correlate with the criminal justice system with um public authorities um it sounds like you know you're talking about hundred thousand people but it's also a very small town too especially when you're from the area you know where everyone likes to go you've interacted with these same people before so in a way, it is just a bigger community, you know, and you can split it up into smaller sections within that bigger community of 100,000 people. But I was more um, thinking, and I'll let you complete what you were about to say, but I was curious when you developed your political, um, like who were some of your political people you looked up to when you were smaller or did that develop at, at a later age? Yeah, um, I, I wasn't. I didn't grow up political. Um, my mom's not political at all. I don't think she ne never has been. 
my father is more of a, a, a Democrat, like a liberal. Um, and so, and I don't know how much that influenced me because I don't really think he even influenced me too much. But the, the only time I, I voted before 2020 was I voted to, in 2012. I voted for Barack Obama and I, I didn't really know much about him. I just, I mean, I, I was connected with the school and stuff and, and people were saying certain things and I'm just like, okay, uh, black president, maybe that's a good thing, you know. I mean, later I found out that the white side of his family, you know, they used to be slave own owners and stuff like that. So, I mean, it's, it's, it's weird, you know, and he's the drone strike king and the mass deporter. He deported more people in the, in the history of the United States, you know, than anyone, at least that till that point, you know. Um, so I, I did vote for Obama. Yeah, I guess I can keep going through that path if you want. But were, were there like people did you looked up to as far as um, like as far as just even like philosophy or any sort of ideology? Because this stuff is intertwined with politics. I mean, you had to get some kind of inspiration from someone as far as um your thought processes. You know, just the way your view of the world, like Randy Laney's view of the world. I mean, a, a lot of the the stuff I got. I mean, I I learned a lot in jail just listening to like real people, like what their struggles are. And, and some of them are on, in there on petty stuff and some shouldn't even be there at all. And barely anyone's getting rehabilitated, you know, but then, you know, I've always been super like interested in sports. Well, pretty much until recently, cause you know, I've had physical conditions, but I, I haven't had, had time to watch sports really, you know, like I've watched a couple of football games so far this season, but I, I really just haven't been into it because I I'm trying to help people and it's, and it's hard to balance all that, you know, um, but people that I looked up to, I, I never like I had certain teachers and I had certain people like when I went to Gateway Technical College, there were certain um, leaders there that I looked up to. Um, but I mean, I've been asking for support from some of them recently with what's going on. And I've been mi mistreated by the media in some cases. And and nobody's defending me. Nobody's got my back and I would have their back. But it's odd to me that they won't have my back um, because I guess I can tell you about. In, in 2012, I became the, the star ambassador to the district star ambassador. It goes to the top student. And I was the Kenosha star ambassador. There's three star ambassadors from three different uh, gateway locations, uh, Racine, Elkhorn, and Kenosha. They picked me as the, the district star ambassador as well as the Kenosha star ambassador. So I, I went to various events and spoke. I spoke at three graduation ceremonies, including my own. Um, and I just represented gateway well. I was also a green scholar, a global scholar part of the national leadership and society of leadership and success. I, I had the, um, I won the crystal apple leadership award. It goes to like the, the greatest leader student of, you know, of that year. I, me and Cesar Garcia split that award. Um, but I've been part of ton, tons of groups there and we, we helped um, do drives and all kinds of things to help in the community, like real actions, you know? So it was real, it was, it was an awesome thing to get to know people. I, I don't have names specifically, but I mean, I have more influences now than I did at that point. Like as far as like who, who I would say that I admire, I don't worship or idolize anybody, you know, but there are certain people, especially in history that I respect, com you know, completely some of them, you know. What, um, as far as Kenosha's concerned, what type of direct action work have you been involved in just um, throughout the years? Because I know there was a big, um changing um event in your life that happened in 2020 um with kenosha police that we can get into with the jacob blake situation um 
but what have been some of your direct action involvements uh, around the city, for instance? It's hard to remember everything, but I, I've been part of um, like multiple cleanup efforts. Um, I mean, I even got my niece and my daughter one time. We went out to their school, uh, my daughter's school, and we cleaned up the whole block and stuff. It's it's fun. And even last night we did the downtown cleanup. And I'm not trying to brag, but I will explain what I've done. And even when I studied abroad in Germany, um, I cleaned cleaned up all around the whole school. When I was supposed to be upstairs meeting at a meeting, I was out there cleaning because I would rather be doing that. You know what I mean? I'd rather be actually helping and doing actions. You know. Um, but I, I like I, I worked as a jail slave too. I, I worked at um, the Shalom Center, which was a soup kitchen. Now it's the home homeless shelter and soup kitchen. They have another location. I worked there for many months, and I really enjoyed working there, um, serving people, serving homeless people, serving out, you know, poor people, and then getting to know the staff and everybody. And I worked there with, with other inmates too. Um, so it, it was a it was a great experience. It, it was unfortunate um, why I was why I was doing it, but I'm glad that I did it. I also worked at the thrift store. I worked at the, the golf course um, painting and I worked in the kitchen for many months. I got, I got let go out of the kitchen because I was, um, there was a walk-in um, oven and I went to go grab the, the things out of the oven and my oven mitt slipped out of my hands and I grabbed it and my, my hands bubbled up. They boiled up. I went to the nurse. They took me off a of work crew. So now I, I had to spend more time in jail because I was getting days off. And the only reason I was, um, you know, it's all set up when you're when you're poor, you can't afford a real lawyer and stuff. What they do is they give you more time. So then they might put you on work crew. So it appears you're getting days off, but they gave you more time. So so you're really not getting days off. You know, I mean, technically you are, but you're not, you know, so that that made me stay in jail longer just because of a of a minor error. And they probably should have had better oven mitts for me, you know, but I didn't I did enjoy working in the kitchen. We, we made all the food for for the inmates. Um, I don't know how many inmates, probably hundreds of inmates. This was out at the KCDC House of Corrections, Kenosha County Detention Center. That's the other jail here. Um, they they feed you better out there. Um, but I work I worked there quite a while. You get up three, four, five in the morning to go to work, and you 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 just work through the day. You know, you keep making food. I, I got to work in the bakery. I learned how to make um, donuts and and bread all from scratch. You know. Um, uh, I don't even know. We just we just made up like everything that we needed to make, you know. But I, I also mentioned the time that I got thrown in the hole at, at both of these jails over petty things. You know, they throw you in the hole. The downtown is called X Block. Um, they they leave the light on. They give you an itchy blanket, but they give everybody an itchy blanket in the jail. But I flushed it down the toilet because it was just making me itchy, you know. And then they feed you what we call cat food sandwiches, and those are made out at KCDC. I learned that when I worked out in the kitchen. And by the time they get downtown, they're stale. I don't know what's on, what's even in there, some kind of weird meat, um, but I didn't eat it. Um, so it, I was pretty much starving. Like they, they, I think they gave me a different a different meal during the day um, once to, just to keep me alive, probably. They did give me the Bible, which I read from front to back. I didn't understand much of it at that time. But, you know, I, I was looking. That's the only book they would give me. So, you know, I just mm -hmm. read, you know. And then now at KCDC, I got thrown in the hole for, for petty stuff, and they drag you to the hole. They throw you in there. And it, it's just ridiculous. You're in isolation, and it, and it's already bad enough in jail. So I don't know. Where, where were we going before that, though? Um, I think it's important for the audience, I mean, because a lot of what you're describing is stuff that's unique to Randy Delaney. And yeah. so people are getting to know you. Like, they're unpacking, like, who you are 
you know, what you've been through. An event that a lot of us are familiar with, because honestly, I had heard of Kenosha, Wisconsin before, but with the Jacob Blake shooting, like that was all over. That was like international news. It became like a mainstream event. Um, am I correct in saying that that's the incident where you got shot yourself, like in the protest around okay. Jacob Blake? Is yeah, that what like, that, that you showed on TikTok? Yeah, let me let me start a week before that. A week before that, I was protesting at the DNC in Milwaukee, the Democratic National Convention. The they didn't show up because of COVID or whatever. You know what I mean? But oh, really? With certain people. Yeah, they. Yeah, I don't think very many people showed up at all. Like the the main um, people, the DNC, the Democratic people, but but people from around the country, like um, Eric Kessner from Washington State. He he started this uh, yellow vest action, I think it's called. And you know we're wearing yellow vests and we're protesting out there and we were bonding and stuff. One one of the people out there was Samuel Ronan. He's actually running for president of the United States right now. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I suggest people look into him if they're looking for a candidate that's not you know. I've reached out to Samuel Ronan. I've talked to his team um, several times. Um, he's going through some stuff right now, but um, hopefully we can get him on the show. He was supposed to have already been on the show. Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. Okay. Okay. So that let, I'll, I'll go back to the to lead into the Jacob Blake um, story and stuff. Um, so I think that was within a week. Now, I mean, I think I was out in Milwaukee a few times, different days. We did marches. We did. We we were protesting, you know, um, and then. Jacob got shot, I believe it was on a Sunday afternoon or Sunday night. And uh, this, this, right after that happened, somebody had filmed it from the apartment building. Like, it, it was right by, my dad used to live there, or maybe he did at the time, I don't know. He lived, like, right across the street. Um, I don't Maybe he didn't right at that moment. But somebody was filming it from their window, and and they got the, the, the everybody's attention immediately. And, and people came out. I, I couldn't go out because I had my daughter that night. So I could not. So I was a bit frustrated. You know, I couldn't go out there. But I was hearing about a, a police officer got hit with a brick and, and all kinds of things were happening. And then, you know, people because people were frustrated. But this didn't just happen out of nowhere. This this has been like this my whole life. And the tensions just built so high, you know, and the police haven't been accountable or transparent. That's why I was at this meeting this morning and, and last night, too, and, and trying to bridge that gap. Um, but anyways, J uh, Jacob got shot. Jacob Blake Jr. got shot in the back seven times by Officer Rustin Sheshki. Um, a lot of people were out there the next the next day because they didn't do nothing to to Rustin Sheshki. They didn't, you know, they said they were. I think they said they were going to look into it. The next day, I I was able to go out there, and th this was the biggest group of people I've ever seen in Kenosha together. I don't know where they all came from. But a lot of them were from here, and a lot of them weren't from here. And and we protested, I don't know for how many hours. Um, and we finally ended up getting back close towards the park. And then somebody warned us that at one point that they were tear gassing people at the park. And I don't, I didn't even understand tear gas at that time. I don't, I don't know what to expect or anything. And then, um, I guess somebody said that. I, I don't know if I heard about it then, but there was, I guess there was a curfew in effect, but I later found out after I'll tell more of this story, but I later found out that curfew was invalid because former Sheriff David Beth um, is not allowed to put a curfew into effect yet. You know, it, only certain people can do that by law. So he illegally put a curfew into effect. So nobody was out there illegally, you know, and what happened is when we got back, when we got to the park, 
like we stopped for a second and I think, you know, a lot of people disappeared at that point, you know, because there was a ton of people out there and I don't think they wanted to take that heat. I, I'm here to fight for people. I'm willing to give my life, you know, and I don't just say that I've proven it and I'm there to do it. And I, you know, so I'm out in the park and we're, the tear gas is, is, it's just everywhere, but you can't see it. So it's like, you don't really understand it. So you get out into the, into the park more. And then all of our eyes are burning. This, this real tall guy, he, he flipped over this like green box. And, and as soon as I could see a little bit, I went around trying to help people because I realized we all needed help at that point. I don't know if it, they had milk or water. Like everyone's trying to just pour stuff in their eyes because it, it, it just takes your soul away from you. Like there's just not pouring everything that can come out of you starts coming out of you. You know, that's how bad that tear gas was. Um, but we're, we're, we're still, I mean, I'm not going to say everybody was out there peacefully protesting because they were, but I was. And, um, you know, we, we were chanting things. We were, we were trying to let the police hear us. They formed a huge line and then the media formed a huge line over on the side. And eventually at one point they had these like military type sirens blaring so loud. Like I've never heard nothing like that in my life. It was just so loud. And you can hear it on, I don't know if it's cut out of my video, but I have the full footage and I can share it with y'all. It, it is insane. Ironically, I just happened to have a, a, a pack of earplugs in my back pocket, and I didn't even know that. I just, I found them, and I'm like, dude, put the earplugs in so I could, I was able to go right up and, and be right there, you know, right? There was only a few of us, like, closer to the police at that time, um, you know, and I think it was like a Muslim woman we were standing in, we were, like, in unison, and we had our arms in the air for a while, and people had signs and stuff. Now, there were some people throwing water bottles and, and fireworks, you know, and I got offered that and I said, nope, hard pass. You know what I mean? I, I ain't here for that. You know, I'm here to be heard if possible. You know, I'm here to, to, to show support, you know, for for every all victims of police brutality. But, you know, they tend to target black and, and brown folks, but definitely black folks, you know, and and I'm 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 native myself. I'm Blackfoot and Cree, but I, I don't really know. I, I didn't really know a ton of my history to that point, And I'm still learning about it. So I didn't go around saying, you know, I'm a minority because I haven't been targeted for my skin color. I've just been targeted for being poor and for my name, my family name, you know. Um, so I'm out there and eventually I after I was holding my arm up with with the woman, I go back towards the park and I'm turning around every once in a while to let them know. And I have my hands up and I'm like, don't shoot. Eventually they shot me um, with a rubber bullet. It hit me so hard. I just dropped. But um, I didn't even realize what happened that for a second. Um, they, there was a, they, a huge hole in my leg and there was blood gushing out like a geyser. I later found out they fractured the bone and there, there was like street medics and, and other protesters out there. And I, and I yelled medic, medic. And the, they immediately came, ran over I know, I me, like, that. in the video. Yeah. And they drug me through the park and then they treated me a little bit. Then they drug me again. They treated me a little bit. Eventually I had to go across the street and get treated again. Um, so I, I mean, those people are heroes. In my eyes, you know, they, they, they were, that's community support. You know, there, there was no reason for them to shoot me. I even was just had my hands up yelling, don't shoot. That part of the video ain't, ain't shown. I haven't found that footage yet, but you can see it right afterwards, the footage of what happened to me, you know, in the park and being treated. Um, They had to use some special stuff to stop the bleeding. Cause it was, it was just gushing out so bad. They, I'm glad they had it on them. It started with the letter C, I think. I don't know. I'm not a, a medical doctor or anything or a street medic, even myself. Um, but the whole, while this is happening, the, everything's burning behind us. 
people are setting everything on fire, car lots, um, garbage trucks, um, buildings. And then they went uptown and they broke buildings and burning stuff and, and the probation office. And, and I don't know who's responsible for that, but where, where were the police? There was a lot of them standing in line. Almost all those police, the one that shot me might not even have been from Kenosha. I found him out in court. There was precincts that sent people from all over from Wisconsin, you know, to support them while the police, the actual police, I don't even know what they were doing. Were they hiding somewhere? I don't know. Um, but the, even like, I think the firefighters showed up at certain areas to put out fire, fire, uh, fires, but I didn't see none of it myself. I just seen um, everything burning. I didn't see nobody doing nothing about it. Just the police just standing there watching and then shooting peaceful protesters like myself and others, you know, and some people were, uh, uh, pepper sprayed I heard different medics um, he, people were getting snatched up um, thrown in vehicles um, during the, there's like a three day period the day J night Jacob got shot the night I got shot and then the next night when Rittenhouse killed Anthony and Jojo um, and, and, and there were, the FBI was here and they, they were doing there was all kinds of crooked stuff happening and people have, have this recorded in different areas and I, and I know it was happening I've seen some of myself um, but I you know I got shot Eventually, like I went, I hobbled back out there. I had a little bit of juice on my phone. So I do got a couple of little videos of after, but I couldn't record during me being shot because I didn't have enough power on my phone. I was recording the march and stuff. And I, I just didn't, you know, but. um, Can you give us, can you give the audience a brief timeline? Because this almost seems like a blur to me because, because George Floyd, did that happen before or after? That was before, right? Okay. So Breonna Taylor got killed earlier that year. I mean, um, Ahmad Arbery, I don't know if that was Arbery was before or after George Floyd, but then there's George Floyd in, in the end of May. Um, mm -hmm. and, and, and we did have a, 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 an event and the, the sheriff was there, the Sheriff David Beth. This is the same sheriff that took my mother away from me for three months, um, saying that she had when he was a regular cop, saying that um, she had a DUI, but she wasn't even driving. You know, she she wasn't going nowhere. He was just waiting to, to arrest somebody. Out at one of these restaurants or or uh, whatever it's called, a uh, bar or whatever, you know. So we were without our mom for three months because of this guy. He's not the sheriff no more. All, everyone retired because they want to get retirement benefits probably, you know what I mean? So the, the chief of police retired, the sheriff, and now the, the mayor's on his way out. And that opened up a spot for me to run for mayor. Um, but what? Okay, so George Floyd, that was in May. There was just so many things happening, though, you know what I mean? And. So we met and, and there was a, a fake, there was like a, a prayer and stuff and a moment of silence. And the, the sheriff was out there um, with some of these religious leaders. And I just didn't understand it, but I was a part of it because I'm trying to be active in the community, and, you know, pay attention to what's going on. I'm not political. I wasn't political at that point. Not at all. I didn't, I don't understand local politics. I, I learned about um, national politics. I would say around 2019, 2020 is when that, that started hitting me harder. I didn't vote in 2016. There wasn't good options in my eyes, and I didn't study it enough. That's I was different. working. I didn't, I didn't have time. You know what I mean, though? So <laughs> so there's that. So that that led up to August. August, that's when I was at the DNC, and then I ended up – and then that happened to Jacob Blake here in Kenosha. Okay, and then I got shot. He got that, he got shot seven times on uh, Sunday. Monday, I got shot with, with others. We got tear gassed and others on Monday night. And then Tuesday night, they they did put a I think they tried to put a curfew into effect. Um, the mayor, somebody, but he wasn't very clear about it. He wasn't transparent about it. So I don't think people understood. 
Kyle Rittenhouse, he was out there, a 17-year-old kid at the time. He's got this AK on him. Um, I don't. That's definitely not legal. But um, he's out there defending property. Eventually, he gets into to it with uh, Jojo uh, Rosenbaum, I think, is his correct name. And he he was a protester. Um, Kyle, Kyle, I believe, shot him in the head. And I think I've seen on the live stream of of his last moments. It was just traumatized. It was just insane that that happened. It was right by the hospital too. Um, like when I got shot the night before, I was told not to go to the hospital because the police were watching the hospital. So I had to wait a whole week before I finally went to the hospital to find out that my um, bone or my leg was fractured, you know, but let, let's go back to Jojo. Jojo got shot. Um, and then eventually Rittenhouse kept moving. And I think people caught on to what happened. And, um, Anthony Huber, um, um, was also a protester. He had a skateboard and he was, he was trying to stop, he was trying to stop Rittenhouse from doing anything more. He got shot in his stomach. There, there was this black man they called jump kick man. He, he came in, in, uh, drop kick Rittenhouse, I, I believe from, from what I know, I think there's a picture of it somewhere. He didn't get shot, but, um, Gage, um, Grosowicz, I think, I don't know how to say his last name. Gage got shot in his arm. He's still, he's, he survived. Um, but, uh, Anthony Huber died from his injuries and he, he was right by a hospital too, but I don't, I don't know. There was a lot of suspicious things that happened and I don't even know if he got the care, like they tried to take care of him like they could have, but Rittenhouse, he walked right by the police um, and eventually got, got a ride home or, or drove home back to Antioch, Illinois. They didn't even try to stop him or question him or nothing, you know, and later he, he got arrested and there was a big court, you know, big thing and like in 2020 i was out there on the, the stairs and there was people you know democrats and republicans arguing and i'm i'm trying to be out there to do something myself but i you know i was just i, I mean i spoke and stuff and i tried to talk to people but it, it didn't seem like we got anywhere people just wanted to hate on each other and it continues to happen um so uh, rittenhouse got found not guilty so now he's out still out in the community russian chesky never got Never got charged with anything. He's out there. There's another guy, Tor Torres. He's killed people. He's killed someone here. He's he's um he's been notoriously hurting people, and they're not holding him accountable. They they I don't know if they will. Probably not. We're gonna find out soon. I I guess. Um, there's this incident at Applebee's with this black family. Um, they it was mistaken identity. They thought it was a different black family that was in an accident. Um, so one of the cops, what they pepper sprayed the the man and his baby. Um, and then eventually they got the baby out of his hands and then they, the cops, um, started beating him, beating him, beating him, beating him, you know, for no reason, you know, even if he was the guy, why were you beating him? You know what I mean? Um, so that, that was Kenosha and Pleasant Prairie cops involved in that, but I think it was a Kenosha officer that was doing the beating. Um, but there's so many other incidents and I, a lot of people are afraid to speak up and I, I totally understand why, you know what I mean? Because you put put a target on yourself when you do it, I, I that's why I say when I'm not when I'm not afraid to die, I say that because you know I have a target on me. The people from all sides don't like me. Um, not everybody doesn't like me, but most people don't like me, and it's because I I just keep spreading truth, and I'm not afraid of anything or anyone. I do get nervous. I do have anxiety disorders. I do have ADHD. I have a lot of things going on, but I'm not afraid. And I, and I got to this point part of it's because of my brother Bo who died in that accident. He was fearless. We grew up. He would he would grab snakes and and rattle you know different not rattlesnakes snakes and um bullfrogs snapping turtles 
and we were about like five and seven years old. And I, I was terrified at that time. Like, what are you doing, bro? What are you doing? But he, he taught me. And, and I think after he died, he got to live on through me in some ways, you know, because that fearlessness, it just, it, it's here. I'm here. You know what I mean? Um, ask me another question. You know, I will, I will. No, no. But I like to let the guests finish their thoughts out. Um, I know you're familiar more or less with the forum, but, um, yeah, it's fine because the the emphasis you're building the guests, not on me, because I usually, honestly, you would never believe this, Randy. People who know me know that I talk forever. And so for me to do this, it's almost like therapy for me because it gives me a chance to be a listener and not so much a speaker. But I definitely will engage, um, you know. Well, actually, let me, let me add on. Sorry, I don't mean to interrupt. I was going to add on to what I was going to say because now I remember a lot more. Um, So after I got shot, I sued the police. The The head of the Wisconsin ACLU chapter, uh, William Salton, took my case. He was actually out there marching the night I got shot um, in Kenosha. So that, you know, and he, he fought so hard for me. He, he was getting people all around the world to get in on this case. They were going to help. Um, and he had, he had all, he, he would call me. He always was transparent. He always had something new to tell me that he was working on. Um, and then eventually he left the firm to start his own firm and the, one of the partners, Mark Thompson took over and he, he worked against me. He didn't do nothing to help me. He worked with the police actually. And I'm pretty sure that's what helped get the, the case thrown out or the police, I think actually won the case somehow. So, um, and he didn't even file the paperwork to, to make sure that they couldn't come after me for the money. So that way I couldn't appeal, you know, all these things happened. I had to do, uh, they did depositions on the police, but they did a deposition on me. And the police lawyers, they were showing like uh, my, my TikTok videos of me like lip syncing and dancing or something. And I'm like, what are you trying to embarrass me? Like, this is ridiculous. This has nothing to do with the case, you know? Anyways, like what I think what might have got the case thrown out too is I, I didn't see the exact cop who shot me. How am I supposed to see? You got blaring lights, you got all these, these sounds going and you can't even film that. We, we you the They got to identify who shot me. You know what I mean? Who who? Who is given? Who is given power to shoot people like that? Because that's not normal. Uh, I don't think any of them are even trained to be using guns like that. That's not even normal policing. Not around here, I don't think. You know, so somehow they were able to just come out there and start doing that. You know, and eventually the National Guard showed up during that week, and they they had a huge presence. The FBI, and then there there was lawsuits. There was a lot of people that got curfew violations. The ACLU was fighting for those people. I don't know exactly what happened with all that. Um, but there was lawsuits by many different entities, including Jacob Blake. Jacob Blake just filed a federal lawsuit last month. And then now that he already rescinded it, I don't know the whole details on that. It sounds, um, you know, interesting to me, like what, what happened with that. Um, Jojo's family, the one that got, one of the guys that got shot by um, Rittenhouse and killed, he's got a lawsuit going still. Their family's got a lawsuit going still, from my knowledge. I'm not sure about others. My lawsuit, you know, is, is dead in the water, from my knowledge, because they can't, they, I can't appeal. It was 12, I think it was $12,500 in legal fees. They used of the Kenosha taxpayers money just to suppress me and silence me. They, I mean, they could apologize, gave me 10,000 and still save 2,500, you know, or not even, they could have just apologized and I would have been feeling a little better, you know, like they didn't even do that. They would refuse. Yeah. That leads me to some issues or questions I have about your views on policing just in itself. But, um, before we even get into those um, like issues that you would consider like priorities as as the as the future mayor of Kenosha, Wisconsin, 
I'm curious more so, when did you get this switch um, to caring about electoral politics? Because it's funny, we talked off camera and we met around 2019, 2020 on Facebook because like I said, there's a lot of, um, there was so many events happening, um, whether they were organic or not, but they were happening regardless of the situation. And we met through Facebook. I got a friend request and it was you. And I don't know how all these people were sending me friend requests, but I accepted them. And um, there was almost like a community, like a disgruntled people who were just like, fuck the system. You know, the Democrats are dirty, they're corrupt. The Republicans are dirty, they're corrupt. And so it's like all these people thrown in this gumbo of ideologies, don't know exactly where they're going, apolitical, apathetic. Some people do care, but just didn't have the hope in the system, the electoral system. And I noticed a lot of your sentiments based on your post. You seem to be like, just screw electoral politics all the, in, the, in itself. And I was like that too. And I struggle with you too. I don't like talking about electoral politics um, all day. I mean, I do dedicate time to them, but not like some of these podcasters, all they talk about is electoral politics when they claim that they don't care about electoral politics, but that's all they talk about. They don't talk about any of the issues. When do you have that switch to where you go from sort of um, hopelessness to, I want to run for public office, Kenosha, mayor of Wisconsin? Okay, let's do the political thing then. Um, 2012, I did, I, I cast my, my first vote ever in my life for president, um, well, probably any vote, and that was for Obama. And then, um, didn't vote in 2016. About 2019, 2020, early 2020, I caught on to, to Bernie Sanders. Um, Bernie Sanders, at that time, um, he, he was rallying the troops. He was saying a lot of things. He was getting people aware of, of all these, um, of all the corruption in the system and all this evil by th these entities and that entity. And he got me fired up, you know, and I, and I supported them. Like, I didn't go out in the streets and knock on doors and nothing. I didn't, um, you know, phone bank and all that, but I was online and I, and I related my stories and combined it to what, what he was talking about. And I, I got, I got pretty well known in certain circles by doing that because I was just tell, telling it the truth, you know, just keep talking, keep talking. Let's, let's communicate together. You know, sometimes it was just me talking and people wouldn't communicate back. That does frustrate me a lot. I'm trying to get people to open up. I do struggle um, once in a while with, with listening. I don't, I don't know. That's why I wonder, you know, I, it might be some of the conditions I have and some of the things I've been through. Um, I'm, tr I'm working on it, you know, like the back and forth. I don't like, I don't think I was born or taught social skills. I actually had to learn by like mimicking others. And that's why I think I might be partially autistic, you know, um, but I, I can do it. I just, you know, it just, it takes energy out of me, but, um, so there's Bernie Sanders, this like 2019, 2020, and we're getting into it. And, you know, they got the, the prime, the democratic primaries, and, and Bernie's, you know, it looks like Bernie's going to be the guy, you know, for the Democrats, right? Last moment, it was like Super Tuesday or whatever, right? They call it Super Tuesday. All of a sudden, uh, the Democratic Party, they pour, poured all their resources into Joe Biden out of nowhere. Joe <laughs> Biden, the, 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 the segregationist, the, I mean, the, the Jim Crow Joe, they call him. Jim Crow Joe. Um, the, 50 plus years of, of screwing people over. And now he's pretending he's not racist he's not homophobic all these things just because he's supporting black and and uh rainbow capitalism you know and so many people are fooled because they watch the mainstream media i had to turn all that off years ago because 
I, I mean, I have trouble watching the football game because the ad will pop up and it's like triggering to me like, no, mm-hmm. what is up with these fake lies? We're talking about bills they passed and that really didn't really help anybody very much, you know? I mean, um, but then, so that happened. And there was people like Nina Turner I supported. Um, she was on the campaign trail with Bernie. I mean, at one point she said um, uh, voting for uh, Biden would be like eating a, a bowl of shit. A half bowl then, of shit or something. <laughs> shit, yeah, yeah. And then later she voted for him and, and endorsed him. It was quiet, she, quiet how she did it, but she did it. So she must like eating shit, I've learned. Um, but I mean, I, I really liked her until that point, you know? If she went to sold out at the last second, she could have been a great fighter for us, you know? I mean, she still can, but it's hard to trust people that, do, you know, talk like that you know and you know they're playing both sides and then joe biden later supported somebody else i think it, she was in ohio and he made pretty much made sure that she didn't get elected um i forget the other woman's name she ended up winning that race you know because she's she's not progressive you know um so i i considered myself a progressive democrat and at that point i was still a christian and i got christian roots um but so I even had a page like called the Progressive Christian. It might still be out there even. But um, what happened was I, I wanted to progress. Like I thought progressive meant to actually progress in in society, not just politically progress. Like to talk, talk like we're progressive. Like we're gonna have all these ideas, but not do anything. You know, maybe get one or two things done. No, I don't. That doesn't make sense to me. Progressive to me means we're progressing forward together. You know, things are changing. Okay, so I'm progressive, and I'm going through the year, and I see what happened to Bernie. Bernie got completely screwed over, but Bernie also didn't. I mean, he was fighting pretty hard. Like he, like I compare him to Cornell West now, and and Bernie had had us fired up way more than Cornell West. Um, Cornell West to me is uh, like the lukewarm grifter, you know. Um, I, I still I still consider him, but I'll consider anybody, you know. And I might not vote for anybody, you know what I mean? But um. But there's Bernie, right? And Bernie keeps going in. And I'm, I'm still trying to say, you know, we still got we to gotta fight for Bernie to get back on the ballot. But Bernie ain't fighting for us anymore. He sold out and, and endorsed Joe Biden, you know. And then the election comes, you know, Biden versus Trump. They're just screaming at each other, blah, 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 blah. Most of the time, they don't, they don't use, like, actual good talking points. They just, like, attack each other with dumb crap, you know, that. Um, One thing I'm going to say before you continue, or... Or we'll, we'll see how it goes, but something you said there, you mentioned Nina Turner. Now, I don't know if this is true, but rumor has it that she's going to have a significant part in Cornell West campaign, obviously, because Cornell West um, supported her in her race in Ohio, like her congressional race. He was there um, lobbying for Tim Black. He's this podcaster. I know people know him. I know Tim Black. And, I used um, to follow him. And the thing about it is this, the forum may have its view of certain personalities and stuff. I'm not going to make it personal with people, but it's clear that the, like, we're truly independent. We don't kiss ass to any of these podcasters, any of these people. We just do our own thing. We don't focus on that stuff, really. We have eyes on them, but we don't really pay attention. We do focus on our own content. But rumor has it she has significant influence or will have significant influence in his campaign and um you made a comment about the comparison between bernie and cornell west i made a similar comparison last week to someone and i don't talk too much about it because i know 
my audience is like they, they have their views about Cornell West and I do too. But um Norm Finkelstein is actually coming back on the show um in October. We had him on episode 48, and I'm gonna press him and ask him, I'm gonna give the pros and the cons of the Cornell West potential. Um there's some pros, I think, but there's lots of cons. And that's where I'm gonna leave it for my audience. So do they have some suspense as far as where I stand? Because um I'm interviewing other candidates for president of the United States. And so I don't think it's fair for me to endorse anybody. If I'm going to have people on my show, to me, that's hypocritical. If I'm going to endorse somebody and then I have all these people on here. So I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to endorse Cornell West um, now. And I'm not going to endorse them later. I'm going to keep it open for everyone to decide for themselves who they want to vote for. Yeah, and I'm at, I mean, I'll end up, like, I've had problems with local media, even the school I went to and, and represented so well and graduated from twice. Um, you know, their radio show, the, the man, he won't even write an article up on me. He wrote a, two, he wrote an article up on the, the first three candidates, two, two articles on one of them, and one of them was an endorsement article. And then he said, well, due to FCC compliance, um, he, he's not uh, obligated to write anything about any or support any political candidate. So then why did you do that? You know what I mean? You, you're, you're endorsing these other ones. You won't write nothing up on me. And I got, I used to work for that, for that school. I, I poured my heart out into that school. Like every, I have so many things I could tell about that school, but now I'm going to go back to like Kenosha news did it to me too, but the editor reached out to me recently and he made things right. So now I'm in communication with him. So I, I, I won't say anything bad about Kenosha news, but I, I mean, I, I guess I could say, you know, the reporter, Daniel Gayton, he was covering other people. He even called me um, a couple weeks ago. Our cat Willow was dying and she died in my arms and we were putting her to rest. And he called me and interrupted me during then. And he asked me all of these questions. And I gave him all this information. And then he writes this article and it has nothing in it. Like, and he misspelled my name. What's you say the reporter's name is Daniel Gating? Gateson. Oh, okay, okay, I okay. I don't know if I'm pronouncing it properly. Okay, no, I got scared for a second. I was like, oh gosh, I think I know this person when you mentioned them. No, that's the reason why I, I paused for a second. I thought I knew that person when you mentioned the name. And I know, yeah, that's a big issue we've had. Um, we've had people with similar backgrounds with yourself. Uh, Constance Every, she's a native of Knoxville. She ran unsuccessfully as governor and mayor of the city of Knoxville and governor of Tennessee. And she comes from a background. Um, she was an ex-vet. Um, she was homeless for four years. She created two nonprofits, Black Coffee Justice and Sleeves for Needs, uh, to help like veterans, homeless veterans, and then the overall homeless population um, in the city of Knoxville. And um, Brittany Jones, who's running for president of the United States, she's based in Oregon, and she's expressed in the forum two times about her uh, policies towards homelessness. And um, I'll get to that with you as well. But I want to ask, so the audience has insight into this Kenosha race for mayor, how many people are you running against and what separates you from the rest of the pack? Well, first of all, I'm going to say, are you in Tennessee, right? I mean, I'm outside of Nashville. I, that's where I got this hat from. When I was in Nashville, I bought it. I didn't have much money, but I, I'm like, I'm going to get me a hat. I always want to get a hat. You know what I mean? So I was with my niece and my daughter on a trip. So I did, this is from Tennessee, ironically. We even seen a bear in Tennessee, a little, a little bear. And we got out of the car and got kind of we close. Them, and we probably sent that. More so in the east, but we have them occasionally in the middle. Part of the state. Yeah, it was wild because I was in Alaska the month before and I didn't see no bear. I seen a, <laughs> a, a moose and its baby were right in front of us though. But anyways, I'm gonna get to the mayor thing. I'm gonna say one more thing about the Nina Turner thing. Um, 
Cornell West, he was endorsed by the People's Party. That's what the connection is, I think. The People's Party, that's Nina Turner, it was. Um, and then they, I thought they like unendorsed him. And it got really confusing because he got the endorsement from the Green Party. And then it felt like the, the People's Party was kind of shying away. And I don't know where they stand now. But, you know, if he really, if he's serious about this, he should be trying to get endorsed by all the parties, third parties, you know, any the more the merrier if he's, you know. But I, I have some issues with him. But anyways, I'll talk about the mayoral race. Mayoral race. Um. Anyways, well, no, I'll finish the politic thing. I voted green for Howie Hawkins in, in 2020. I, I thought that was the right. Oh, you did too. I thought that was the right thing to do. I later found out like how he wasn't the greatest guy. Um, but he did have so uh, the Green Party did does have at least on their page like a a socialist platform. So it it looks good. A lot of it looks good. Like these are things that we fight for for real. You know what I mean? I don't know how serious they are at actually accomplishing them though. You know, but um. So I, that's why I was then. And then afterwards, I kind of floated for a while. I'm like, I don't really know anymore. Um, I, I kind of was still connected to the Greens. I still get into some of these Cornell West groups. Um, it's hard for me. I get attacked by a lot of people. Oh, um, yeah. A lot of times, <laughs> I've seen a it. lot of times it's, it's a, sometimes it's just the leaders of the party. They don't hold people in the, or the group. They don't hold the people in the group accountable. They, they let other members, like Democratic uh, members in there to just run around and say whatever they want. It's okay to let them in because you want, they're curious. Of course, you want them to hear what your what Cornell's about. Somebody's got to explain to them what Cornell's about. Cornell's got to do a better job explaining what Cornell's about, you know, and he can't be going around asking like his, his target audience, you know, he wrote the um, poverty manifesto. What, what is that all about? What, you know, what did he donate all the money from that to poverty or like, you know what I mean? Um, is he taking money from poor, poor working class people? Because that's what I think that's what the rest of these candidates here, there's five other candidates from my knowledge, every single one of them some of them are better than others and i might be i might even be willing to work with them you know going forward eventually um i respect some of them and not others you know um but i i refuse to take any funding from poor working class people anybody struggling actually i i refuse so that i'm probably not going to get funded at all um and i don't have money i just got got my car sold but i don't got the money from it yet and i got to use that for my family and i might have a little bit left over maybe to get some business cards to, to give to people I need to get a, a microphone and a, I need to, have, to be able to speak out there, you know, at these events that I'm going to, well, I've already been doing them, but I, we're going to do a march and protest October 7th from three to five meeting at Civic Center Park where I got shot. Um, um, but, I, you know, I don't, I, I've been wanting to make music again. I was a rapper at one point in my life. I performed at a, a nightclub and then we were even at the Battle of the Bands at the Rave in Milwaukee. Um, it, it didn't go well because they had it set up for bands and we couldn't hear the playback, you know, but um, I've gotten away from that, but I haven't had money to, to buy. Um, maybe at times I have, but I've been distracted, you know, but I'm, I, I want to get music equipment, just basic um, a mic and then a music program. You know, I, I need to get like a, a design program so I can make logos and artwork. And I learned a lot of this stuff in school, so I know how to do it. Some of it's, you know, it's been a little while. But anyways, let's go back to what we we're talking about. Um, the mayor race, yeah. The Who mayor you, race, yeah. Like, how many people are in the race with you, and what separates you from the rest of the pack, in your opinion? Okay, so it's five other candidates, from my knowledge, at this point. I um, I think one other one was born, no, two other ones were born and raised in, in Kenosha. Um, one of them, one, I, I don't know if I should, if you want me to say names or not, but... Um, yeah, I, I don't I, care, yeah. Um, I mean, 
I can go down the list. Okay, the the first one that announced is Dave Bogdala. He he's the top alderman, so he already knew that Mayor Antaramian, that's the current mayor, um, he knew he was going to step down, so he got an early start. He's been connected to certain things. He he says that he 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 let he's leading the thing on the lead. There's lead pipe poisoning here. We've known about it for decades, but no, we finally got federal funding for it. Um, but it, the process is slow. You need to complain to the city, and then. You need the pipes changed in your house, from your house to the road, and all the pipes leading to the water source. And I don't think anybody's got safe drinking water yet here in Kenosha. Um, and there's also a radon crisis. And I'll, I'll have that on my website, and I'll talk more about it later. Um, but um, Bogdala's claiming to, to, to be the leader of that, and to, he's done this and that. And he's not from here. I think he's from Iowa or something. Um, but he's also connected. I've seen him in pictures with the, um, the leader of Mass Resistance. Um, as, as a hate group, they hate people. Um, as a queer man, I'm, I'm bisexual, pansexual, whatever you want to call it. Um, they hate people like me, you know. And he, even on his website, his favorite actor is racist John Wayne, or you know, yeah, John Wayne, you know, the, the racist actor from back in the day, you know, the cowboy. But <laughs> anyways, I, he, he's going around slapping his name around and making all these connections, and he's already got a lot of connections. He's connected politically. I'm not connected politically. I can't even get the connections that I had that I built from all these years to to support me, you know. Um, but that's one candidate, okay. Then there's Lydia Spotswood. She's I think she's a millionaire. She's a, ri a rich uh, white woman. She's well, I think she might be part Hispanic. I, I'm not sure. I, I think she is actually. But um, anyways, she she owns like a two million dollar house right down by the lake, right by where we've marched before and things like that. Um. She's connected to like religious organizations. She's on a bunch of board member, uh, board. She's a board member on a bunch of, um, you know, different things and stuff. So she's got connections too. She's dropping money into advertisements and stuff. Um, and then she's pretending to care about people. And this is like so common, you know, everyone's focused on public safety and I am too, because that is, that, of course we need to focus on that. Right. Why wouldn't we want this, the public to be safe? Um, but you know, I commented on her page a couple of times. She just blocked me. She won't do a conversation. David Bagala, no conversation. And then the third candidate to announce is Corey Elijah. Corey Elijah was out there um, when we were protesting, um, but he wasn't taking a stand. It's, it's a black man here. He's about my age. Um, and he got a lot of popularity. He would go around on a skateboard filming things, all kinds of things. He, he's filmed me plenty of times, I'm sure. And um, Corey Elijah... He never took a stand. I, I watched him. Um, I think it was like a live stream. He was filming a white supremacist or, or someone like that. And and they were saying all these things and he wouldn't stand up. And and our, and our friend, friend Shay, who died uh, a couple of years ago, um, uh, Shay Majors, he, they, he called himself Mr. Kenosha and stuff like that. He, he didn't like Corey because Corey would never say black lives matter. You know, he was out there and filming and he's black and he won't even say black lives matter or anything like that. You know, like. Do Black Lives Matter to you or not? Like they do probably, but you're why are you afraid to say it? You know what I mean? So it, it, he he's like a he's neutral, neutral. And now a lot of the, the activists, activists around here, I call them because I'm not going to say they're all bad. And I even apologized to a couple at the meeting just now because I, I heard them speak up and they were passionate and I appreciated that. They're connected. They might be connected to parties still. I, I don't know for sure. Um, but I'm trying to I'm trying to unite people. So, I, you know, I can't hate on people that are actually trying, you know, 
Um, but but Corey's never really stood up for anything. He just got popular because he's filming this all this stuff and staying neutral. He I guess there's a story about he saved the dinosaur museum. This was around the same time I was getting shot. Like the the property over people, you know what I mean? Like, come on. Um, I, I don't want to sit here and hate on him, but I will hold him accountable. Why wouldn't we? You know what I mean? I'm hold me accountable too. I'll I'll hold myself accountable, you know what I mean? Like I'll, I'll whatever. We'll, let's go. You know, and then so I think I was the fourth candidate or maybe the fifth. Then there's Andreas Meyer. He, he, I used to live not too far from where he lives now. I haven't moved very far actually, but um, he, he seems more, more genuine, but he, he also, he, he makes me feel like he's, he's calling himself an activist, but I never seen him out there, you know, during all this, unre they call it unrest and all that. You know what I mean? So I'm trying to get to know him better and know his heart. Because even if, you know, one of us don't become married, I would like to work together if, if these people are genuine and truly care, you know. Um, and then the last. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah. There's another person. OK. The last one to just announce recently is Van Beckham. I don't remember his first name. He, he was also born in Kenosha and I, he hasn't really released much of his platform. He got an article by, by Daniel Gayton in the Kenosha News and he posted on his page. I was excited. And then I posted a comment about how Daniel, you know, disrespected me basically. And he never responded to that, but maybe he just didn't see the comment. I don't know. So I don't really have uh, anything bad to say about him. Um, and Andreas Meyer has a lot of good ideas I've seen from, from his page so far. So I, I don't want to go around and say too much. I, I just want to tell the truth and hold people accountable, you know, like those first three candidates, um, the, a lot of, they're going to get a lot of, um, backing and endorsements. Like I went and got, went to try to get the firefighters to endorse me. I met with the union, firefighters union, and I, and I spoke with them, had a good back and forth. I tried to keep the communication open. I never got a reply to my email. I was talking about how I'm, how I can help them specifically. Um, cause th there was this act 10 in, in Wisconsin. Um, it was like over 10 years ago, Scott Walker put it in place, a Republican leader. I think he's the gov Republican governor. And, and it made it for these union workers, the, the, the firefighters, even the, I think the police and the teachers also, they can't get full benefits, you know, like healthcare benefits and stuff like that. So I'm, I'm just wondering what, what have we been doing lately to get that overturned though? You know what I mean? I, I did hear a couple things of what they're, they're trying to do. I don't understand. See, I'm still learning about all this politics. I don't, you know, I know a lot more at the national level than I do state and, and uh, citywide level, but I'm learning very quickly. And I have to, I have no choice. There's no way I'm going to be the mayor if I don't understand this, but you know, by the time it's time to vote, you know, um, what was I going to say? But anyways, you know, I'll, Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Cause I would rather no, have you ask me a question or something. No, what I was going to say is I'm um, just so the listeners understand. So you have two major events regarding the, the voting with this mayoral race in particular, February the 20th, um, based on what you sent me, is an important date because then it's going to be reduced basically to two candidates at that point. And you have to have so many signatures in the month of December only. And then you yep. have final election date on April the 2nd. Why is it that you have to have such a particular amount of signatures only in December? Why is it set up like that? Yeah, I see. I don't understand why it's set up like that, but it, it doesn't make sense. Right. Isn't that odd? Um, and, and it's in a cold month in Wisconsin, you know, so, like, if you're canvassing out in the streets and stuff, you know, it just makes it tougher. Um, I, that that's I see that as my biggest hurdle, you know, 
And I'm not even, I'm willing to let some of these other, you know, a couple of these other candidates, they can use my platform to speak up to and just let people decide for themselves, you know? Who do you think it would, would do a better job? Who's going to take care of the, these people better? Because a lot of these people are just being um, overlooked, silenced. They don't matter. Their lives literally don't matter. And it doesn't matter their skin color in some cases. Like the police do target certain people of skin color. We had a, a, a friend, um, she was telling a story about her boyfriend or ex-boyfriend about he got pulled over like three times in the last, within the last year or last month or something like that just for being black. You know, so it's, it's still happening, you know, and we can't ignore it. But, man, I lose my train of thought sometimes. What, what were we? Okay, in December, the the, the, the signatures, two to 400, have to be done in December only and turn in. And then they got to be verified because if some of the signatures aren't proper or if it's not done right, it's a real simple form and easy way to do it. And I can actually give other people the form to, to do it as long as they do it properly. They can do it themselves. I think I can even email it to them and they could print it out, sign it, and then send it back. And then I can turn it into the city clerk. Um, but that I talked to Kenosha News, like I said, with the editor, and he said that he he's working on whoever advances to that point, gets those signatures. He wants to, to do a, a public debate at one of these local schools, probably one of the ones that I graduated from, I would imagine. I don't know. Anyways, um, and that would give me a real opportunity, you know, because then we can get – we can all be asked the same questions and, you know, and we can, people can determine, well, who's telling me fake bullshit like normal and who's being genuine and has actual real plans for us. You know, that's where I want to get to. So I need help getting to that point. I, I don't know what I'm going to do to get there, but I'm going to do whatever I can legally to get there. You know what I mean? Um, I, it would just be great. And I'm glad that I learned about that um, because they keep saying, well, primaries might not happen if there's not enough candidates. But I have a pretty good feeling that there's going to be a lot of candidates, maybe all of us advance, or you know, maybe four or five of us advance. And uh, it, it's just going to be amazing. A lot of these people don't, like the current voters don't really, I, I don't feel like they vote based on who's the best candidate. They just vote for who they're connected to, you know what I mean? But there's a lot of non-voters. And I, mm -hmm. I, don't know how to tap, I don't know how to tap into them, but that's who I am. I'm the non-voter. Like, I mean, yeah, I did vote a couple times, but I learned that to, I'm back where I started at from when I was a kid. Like, I, I wasn't connected to nothing, you know. Um, I don't know. I don't know exactly how I'm gonna uh, reach out to him. Um, but my my dad, he's been homeless many times and targeted by police here, and he's got connection, a lot more connections. I'm meet, I'm meeting uh, at the the homeless shelter. I'm gonna meet with the director in a couple weeks. I don't. I think it's like the day or two before the 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 march on October seventh. We're doing the protest. I also need to try to help get food for that event because, you know, I, I don't have money for that, you know, but maybe someone will donate some extra food they were going to throw out the night before. I don't know what I can do. I have to call around and email around. Um, where was I at though? Um, oh, the, the, the voting, like we, we, they need to just pick the, the best candidate, the one that's going to help. Okay. I don't, and I don't care what, what, what people have done deeper in their past. It doesn't matter. We can forgive that. What are, what is your actual plans to help though? I don't care who you voted for in the past, and I'm talking about at every level. You know what I mean? Like at the top, even for the president, I don't care who you voted for before. Who are you going to vote for next? You know, that's what matters because you can help change. You, it might not even change anything. It's it just like the like like the the black voters that they, they've been voting Democratic Party for a hundred years now. Basically, I looked up the stats. Um, and they, a, lot, they, a lot of them been fooled. Um, two of my favorite leaders are MLK and Malcolm X. And and at 
the, towards the end of their lives the, the most, you know, because that's when they were, they were completely aware, especially Malcolm X. He understood it. Um, I, I watch so many things and read so many things about him now because I'm so fascinated by him and what he was saying about things. And he, I don't think he was connected. Like he was part of the nation of Islam and he broke free from that. And pretty sure they were the ones that killed him or they had something to do with it. You know, the, the leader Farrakhan was, was like within 45 minutes away when he got killed. So, you know, how ironic, you know, but I don't know. I don't know everything about that, but, but Malcolm X, he, he said a lot of things and he, he would say, you know, both parties are racist, but the Democratic Party is even more racist than the Republican Party. And I think he's talking like systemically. And he said, you know, 80% of the Democrats, uh, the black folk, folks voted Democrat. Um, this was in the 60s. And, and they did it in their political chunks because they didn't get nothing in return and they never get nothing in return. They, you know, they get little, little tiny things happen and it makes it look like think, but things are getting better. And they're really not. Things could get better so much quicker if we had true leaders around here, you know. Um, but but you have to understand that you're combating. Um, in this case, you're combating centuries of um, propaganda, and um, and that wasn't always the case. The the black, most black people started out as Republican supporters um, mm -hmm. before the party switch occurred, um, but. There are lots I like of to talk about that. Go into there are lots of factors that go into that, um, and um, you know the channels of communication. You alluded to it yourself with just the stuff that Kenosha News is doing to you. Um, pretty much every candidate that I have on here that would be viewed as an independent or non-affiliated candidate, they have issues getting press from people who are connected higher up because. Those people automatically, they know who you are already. They know where you, they don't, they may not know all your stances, but they know that you don't fit in their circle for yeah. whatever reason. They know this person's connected politically with the suit and tie class, and this person doesn't have anything to do with the suit and tie class. No different than academia, no different than the two party system, no different than any sort of closed in network. And um, it's easy to see it. And, and, the press is a powerful tool. And Malcolm X said that himself, that the mainstream media is is one is the greatest evil, one of the greatest evils. He may have said that it was the greatest evil. And so I think he's answering his own question when he talks about the black voters, black people in general. So it's hard as a black person myself, like I've been around this my whole life. Like I started as a Democrat. But everyone has their own exploration and processing of when enough is enough. When am I going to leave the Democratic plantation? When am I going to leave the, the, the Republican plantation? It, it's the same for everybody. When they come to that point, I don't know. For us, it's been a lot slower. But a lot of it has to do with um, it's um, not feeling like you have anything else to, to, to support. So I'm yeah, exactly. My, so you're going to stay in your comfort zone, right? And 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 yeah, exactly. It started with the Republicans because of Abraham Lincoln. But a lot of people don't understand this. Abraham Lincoln was a white supremacist. He was blatantly um, racist, and he spoke publicly about it. Um, he didn't he didn't fight to end slavery. He he wanted to ship every all all black folks back to Africa. He wanted to prolong slavery till 1900. He wanted to win the war for the Union. That was his goal. That's the that's why. He ended up somewhat freeing some slaves, you know what I mean? And they weren't free. They didn't have anything. You know, they didn't get uh, prop 
property. They didn't get houses and stuff. They were just out there now, you know, with, with nowhere to go. You know, and MLK talked about that at one point, too. Um, you know, and slavery really hasn't ended. You know, it just it's just gotten mutated, you know. Um, but, yeah, Malcolm X said, you know, he, he said, like, the media's got the po power to make the, the guilty look innocent and the innocent look guilty, you know, and things like that. Um, but but both both MLK and Malcolm X both criticized, you know, um, Malcolm would always call talk about the white liberal, the white liberal, because at that point, um, the the black liberals and 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 then you know uh, different minorities they 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 didn't really have much say in anything, and like even women didn't have so much say like for so much for so long, you know what I mean? And like like um, I'm a native native man, like. Natives still, there's still things that are wrong. They're still segregated out in the wilderness, most of them, you know what I mean? On these reses and stuff. But um, the, the point is, the I don't know what the point is. The point, the point is that, that I mean, the, the media just keeps manipulating people. They, they, uh, Malcolm talked about the Goldwater versus Johnson race um, back in the 60s. This is exactly what they did with Hillary and Trump and then, and then Biden and Trump. And what they do is they... Um, Goldwater was like this uh, uh, blatantly evil dude. They put him out there so that makes uh, the Democrat guy look look halfway decent. So they did they did that with Clinton and Biden just to get him elected. You know, they they always do that. They're it's all a big connection. You know, they're all playing this big game. And if you if you watch mainstream media and you're not critical about it and you're not thinking for yourself, you'll fall for it easily. I've I've done it. You you've probably done it too. We've done it. You know what I mean? It's not too hard to fall for that trap. And then you, you think because certain people are, are pretending to fight for certain things that, that those are the good ones and the other ones are the bad ones. The only time I see something happening that, that's good usually from, from like a, a Democrat side is like a maybe locally and sometimes statewide, you know, there, there are some things that I see some improvements, you know, and, and it's still like incremental changes. I'd like to see changes happen a, a lot quicker, you know what I mean? The Green Party, especially in Wisconsin, can't get any, uh, get any traction. They, they got sued by um, Democrats back in 2020 and other years in Wisconsin and other states just to make keep them off the ballot. So they won't even get ballot access, you know, um, and it's just amazing. They they sabotaged their own party to make sure, you know, they did it with Bernie. I, they, I'm sure they did it with other with, you know, other things. They, they like Obama. He, he used Biden's connections to to some of the 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 more evil side to get people to vote for obama just to make sure he got elected you know it's just it, the more you research and and learn for yourself like the truth and talk to other people about it and like go back and forth and see what they know and, and you can come to a better understanding of what really happened and what's really happening none of us really know the whole truth you know there's like 9 11 there's the the 2001 patriot act so now they can they can watch it on us they could be the fbi could be right on our phones right now because they can legally do that now you know, and Biden bragged about about, about writing that. He didn't get credit for writing that in the end, but all through the '90s, he was write, writing stuff like that and trying to get it pushed through. You know, both and then there's parties. the '94. Both parties, the 1996 Telecommunications Act opened up the 2001 Patriot Act. They all, and these are unanimous decisions. If you go back and look at, but but that's how it's set up to be. It's set up to be a surveillance state. Um, something that you talked about there about. You mentioned Abraham Lincoln and the black experience with voting and just um, this whole idea of a democracy versus a republic. Um, before we talk about your mayor race, 
I want to get this in and say that um, a lot of this, we have the benefit of living in this context. And this is not the defense of Abraham Lincoln, but it's easier for us to say this now because who's to say what a black person felt in the 1860s on the cusp of slavery or the emancipation thereof, you know, we know that it wasn't completely just an abrupt change. And like you said, um, it's documented throughout the history. Uh, Brazil was the last country in the Americas to, to emancipate slavery in 1886. Cuba was the next one. 18, 1888, Brazil, 1886, Cuba, and Puerto Rico was in 1873. So there were countries and areas after us that freed their slaves, but even if you read the 1963 book, they have an English and a Spanish version. The Spanish version is Biografia de Cimarron, Biography of a Runaway Slave. And it was actually co-authored. Esteban Montejo was the actual runaway slave. And his story was documented by a gentleman named Miguel Barnett. They were both Cuban. It was written in 1963. And it was a testimony. He recorded Esteban Montejo, the former um, slave tell his story. And he said in this book, when we were released in 1886, we didn't know that slavery had ended. It's like things had never changed. It's like once we were left, once we left the Baracones, is what he called them, the sugar shacks, no one knew that slavery had ended. It's like we were still working for our former masters years after slavery ended. It was almost like a form of sharecropping in a way. And this is the, the story all over Latin America, all over the Caribbean. It's not just the United States. The same story that you're saying is the Black experience pretty much all over the Americas. The political disenfranchisement, the loss of connectedness between Black people in the Americas and the rest of the world, to the point where Black people see people in Cuba as, oh, that person can't understand me because they speak Spanish, because this person is so different from me not realizing that they have very mutual experiences. It's the situation all over the, the Americas. It's not a US-specific thing. That's the only thing I would say about that. Yeah, and part and part of like what you were saying, uh, some of them didn't know they were free because like the media, there wasn't like media back then, so they weren't even told. And then you think their masters are gonna tell them? They don't want to know <laughs> that, you know what I mean? They, they used to do, they, 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 here they used a lot of Christianity to, to brainwash. They, they, they did a lot of things, you know, they, they would say, you know, if you try to run, you got, you got this disorder, you know, and now, and now we got to do this with you because, you know, you're trying to do stuff that you're mentally ill and it's just so much brainwashing and gaslighting and it's just so much evil, you know, just so people won't, won't run, you know? So yeah, you can't, you can't blame, you can't even blame people that didn't even run because you got, you got to try to be, put yourself in their shoes with empathy. And it's so hard because, you know, we weren't there. Like I, I've been in, I've been in jail though, where like I, I was pretty much the minority in jail, you know, and it and it was odd, but it it was a, a it woke me up because I was just book smart at that point. Basically, I learned to become street smart, not from just in jail, but outside of jail too, you know, and that helped me out a lot. And now I'm just learning. I'm learning about like you just taught me a bunch of things I didn't know. I probably watched this back a few times and and like write stuff down and stuff because I don't even know all these these things, you know, and I don't know a lot of things, but I'm I, I learned quick. And then I try to research things quickly, but right now I'm trying to do the mayor thing. So then it's like, I don't have time. I'm trying to learn about my own ancestors. My, my uh, great, great, great uncle, um, 
he ended up getting shipped to Australia, um, Benton Delaney, um, at, at, um, just because he told somebody to sell his farm or something. And he spent the rest of his life um, in Australia. He, he was a, a pretty much a slave for like five years. And this was from Ireland. They shipped him off there. And, and my, one, of, one of his brothers stayed. My great-great-great-grandpa Michael came here and he ended up, he came through New, New Orleans, through Louisiana, and then he settled in Washington. The other, the other two brothers, there was five of them. One stayed in Ireland. One got shipped to Australia. One was my great-great-great-grandpa um, in New York. And then the other two ended up in Illinois, one in Chicago and one in Waukegan. The one in Waukegan, he became like the tax, the school board, the school treasurer, the tax treasurer. He, he was the, the tax collector. I, there's a name, there's a road named Delaney Road out here. And I, I never, it's spelled differently, right? I learned that my surname is actually without one of the E's at the end. But when people came here, they put the E on the end. So they kept flip-flopping. And then another one flip, flipped it and put the, a capital L without the E. So I'm related to almost all those people probably, but nobody's ever... Um, looked into this deep enough to understand but i've connected those dots i i don't know what that road is named after because they won't tell the history but maybe i can figure that out because i'm pretty confident it's after my family you know and my fa a lot of my family's been disrespected and, and our history's just been washed away kind of you know so i'm trying to learn more um it's just it's just crazy like how i'm even here right now you know from and like i got like I, a lot of icelandic family and in my my native family, I got the connections, but I can't get the like the actual names of my relatives. It's so hard. And and my grandma had this book, and it's in my my aunt's uh, storage unit in in Illinois. And I got to get that because she told me about it one day. How I'm I'm Blackfoot native and Cree native, and I'm I'm trying to figure out the you know all the connections to all this stuff. Um, but you go, go ahead. Let let's keep it going. <laughs> no, no oral histories. Um. You're touching on oral history. A lot of this stuff, these topics I've dealt with in Latin America and Caribbean, just in literature and culture, like this is pretty much like my area of expertise because a lot of the black literature from back in the day, and we're talking about abolitionist literature. So um, towards the latter part of the 1800s, because it's crazy, 95% of blacks that were imported from Africa actually settled in the Caribbean and the Latin, Latin America. A very small percentage actually settled in the United States. And do you know out of all the literature in Latin America, guess how many slave testimonies and narratives we have written by actual slave? We have one, one, That's it? All, one See, I'd like to get my hands on that. Yeah, I would like to read that. It's called, um, Autobiography of a Slave, Autobiografia de un Esclavo. And the gentleman's name was Juan Francisco Manzano. I have the original copy because I had to read it in my program. But that's the, that's what I'm saying. A lot of this stuff that you're saying is very much an American experience. And um, we have a global emphasis on this forum because it's a reflection of the local. And and the broader the micro and the macro it's not just you know those people don't understand me we really are a world together and you mentioned indigenous communities and you talked about your indigenous ancestry that's also a very common experience in latin america um i'd make the argument going to latin america and living in latin america briefly that indigenous people are more isolated than black people in latin america 
because black people have at least been incorporated in mainstream society in Latin America, whereas Latin in Latin America, indigenous people, if you're not talking about the Indian regions like Ecuador, um, Chile, um, Venezuela, Colombia, but even then, Colombia has like like 21% black population in Colombia, uh, one of the largest in Latin America. Um, the indigenous people are very much um, certain countries they're incorporated more or less, depending on where you are, Peru, indigenous people may be incorporated more, but there's still a common basis. There's still a caste system. And the caste system is pretty much if you have some distant indigenous ancestry with primarily European ancestry, you're pretty much the upper class running the show. You you have all the political representation. You have all the monetary money. You have all the resources. And if you're like indigenous connected with your community, you're living in the shanties or you're distant from the business centers. And this is very common in he thought like the business centers of Latin America, any major city, you talk about Bogota, um, Guayaquil, uh, Montevideo, it doesn't matter where you go in Latin America, it's, it's set up like this. The blacks are pretty much separated. The indigenous people are separate. So it's no different really than here. You can go to any major city. The black people live here. The white people live here. The Latin people live here. It's the same shit. It's just a different... The Code. The red line, yeah, the red line. It's it's pretty much a form of redlining, but it's all it's just yeah. um, it's hard to explain. But it goes into urban planning, it goes into all of this stuff that we've been talking about more or less. But it's hard to connect those dots. But that's basically what it is. It's just in another setting. Yeah. Um. And I know you have that probably in Kenosha. You have that too. Oh yeah. You can tell these um signifiers and markers of you know separation and and um people living basically their own lives you're in it together but you're living totally separately but you're supposed yeah. to be a community but it's a very segregated type community and it's a lot it has a lot to do with wealth um because mm -hmm. you, you'll get people of, of every skin color in certain areas just based off of how much money they don't have you know what i mean um so and we we pretend it doesn't exist. Like I mean, I don't, but a lot of people pretend it don't exist. Um, but like, where's it, it's it's just a man, manipulation from the media because like they, they pretend to celebrate, you know, like it was just Hispanic heritage and, and like you know, so or Independence Day. Okay, but then I wrote a post because we're not talking about um how Hispanics are being treated here still. How there's so many people that are racist t towards brown people in general, not just Hispanic people, like all brown people. I mean, black. People, all minorities, but even like poor white folks and stuff like that. You know what I mean? They get mistreated, but but brown folks I see get mistreated a lot. Like some people will actually support black folks and not and not brown folks. They want to deport them, deport them, deport them. Like I got stories about that. My daughter's uh, Mexican, part Mexican. You know, um, I I've been called Mexican in a derogatory way because I used to be real tan when I was a kid. One of my own friends called. You know, he was oh you're a Mexican like that. You know, and then my dad has a story. Down in Houston, Texas, back in the late 70s, he, he didn't have his ID. He was going to look for his ID out of his sister's car, my aunt's car, and, and a cop pulled up on him. The cop um, grabbed him. They brought him downtown. Two bigger cops um, hogtied him, 
because he didn't have a green card. Um, he had an ID, but he couldn't find. It. He wasn't able to grab it because they wouldn't let him. You know, couldn't find it. So they hogtied him. They they considered him an illegal immigrant. I, I hate when people call people illegal or they call them aliens or, or anything like that. They're 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 humans just like us. You know what I mean? Let's let's st stop with the labeling. They have they have every right to be here. You know. I mean, at least most of them, like maybe some of these cartels and stuff, that's different, but that's another conversation. But yeah, my, my, my own father was working on a, a pea farm in Houston as a slave for three weeks before my aunt was able to come and get him out of there. And so he was an illegal immigrant, even though he's not, you know, he's native and, and white, you know? So it was weird. It, it was weird. I filmed him. I finally got the whole story out of him just the other day. Um, Cause it's probably hard to talk about certain things, you know? Um, but just growing up like so many people and even online i deal with it all the time i get i mean i get death threats and all kinds of stuff nowadays but um you know and people take like the rapper tom mcdonald like like they like he's gonna do something like kill me or something i don't know what has been going on but, but these people are strange some people are okay with with certain immigrants coming like if they got visas and they stay for 10 months we're treating them good down in florida because we give them 16 dollars an hour which isn't a living wage um and then, the, you know, they get to go back and it's like having all this money now because now they're back there. They're, they're, that's not like that. There's maybe a little bit of truth to some of that, but that, that's not the whole story at all. You know, people mm -hmm. don't understand what's happening to all these people right in Chicago. Um, last time I checked, there was 2000 immigrants there right outside the Chicago police station with no, nothing and nowhere to go. You know, so certain cities and certain states will, will let the immigrants come. But what do they got in place to help them? You know? Like just bringing them there, now they're just there, you know? And it's just like um, when slavery ended, black folks tended to, to go, from my knowledge, they tended to go to cities to look for work and look for life, you know? So they all ended up in certain areas and then it, it really just made like, made ghettos and stuff like that. And I mean, my my um, my fiance, she's Jewish. So the, there, there's history there too that, you know, I learned a lot more just by being with her. She taught me all things stuff about Jew, like I, you know, you learn a little bit about Jewish stuff, you know, growing up in school, but they really could teach a lot more about all of these cultures and all the history and the truth, because the truth doesn't get told very often in the curriculum, you know, but, but yeah, there's these ghettos and these ghettos still exist, you know, so, some people call it different names and stuff, call it the hood, call it this, that, it's, it's like, it's pretty much in every city, maybe in certain small towns that don't exist, I don't know, um, but, um, yeah, they exist. Oh. Because, there's, because there's socioeconomic inequalities. So whenever you have class disparities, there's going to be um, neighborhood disparities. There's going to be housing inequities. Like innately, there's going to be the situation because the way it's set up, the, the way the system is set up, the economic system. Um, I want to dedicate the last part of this interview towards your mayoral campaign so people, um, the residents of Kenosha, understand what your platform is about. I know you said that you're still in development when it comes to your website. Um, my suggestion to you would be to register at ballotpedia.org. Um, ballotpedia.org, I always promote on the forum because um, especially for people who are running for public office, it's a, it's a way for people to get an introduction to your views. Um, yeah. They have a questionnaire on there and it's a great way to set up your profile and, and, I, I think in ways enhance your profile because at the very least you would show up more in search engines um, because that's a big site when it comes to anybody run for public office, ballotpedia.org. Um, something on the previous part of our conversation, 
I want to shout out um, Margaret Kimberly. She's been on the forum twice. And um, we talked about some of the presidents, you know, how racist they've been, um, the inequities towards certain groups of people. If you read Margaret Kimberly's Black um, Presidential, Black American the Presidents, she documents how every president has had racist policies. Um, no one's really any better than the other. So I suggest people take a look into that book, um, Prejudential, Black America and the Presidents. Episode four, Margaret Kimley goes into detail. And um, we kind of talked about that towards the last part of our conversation. But um, what would be three priorities um, towards the city itself, Kenosha, Wisconsin, if someone were to ask you, I guess a resident had a chance to ask you, Mr. Delaney, what would you do to help improve the conditions of the city? What would be three top priorities? I mean, one, one thing that has to happen, this might not even be the one of the three, but it has to happen. The, the city pipes need to be, the, the, the lead pipes, they have to get changed a lot quicker and they have, and we need transparency. So maybe like an interactive map on the website so people can see and expect when their pipes are gonna get changed and let them know when the complete path line to the water source is done so they can drink that water faucet again. I'm working on getting a, a water test kit so I, I can show people about the lead. You know, I worked for the water utility company, but I, you know, I was landscaper. Um, the water isn't, you know, it's legal according to, you know, standards but it's the pipes that are the problem, you know, and they're doing a lot of other work and there's, they're not changing pipes when they do that a lot of times, you know, it's like, you're going to, if you're going to replace other stuff under the road, replace the pipes too. Let's get this going. You know, we need transparency. So, so there's that. And then there's a radon crisis because the, you know, 20,000 years ago, the, the glaciers melted and then that formed the great lakes here that brought radon here. There's, there's radon. If you've got a basement anywhere, there's radon coming up. Um, we don't know the level, so we would have to test everybody's building, whether you rent or own. We got to test your building, and then we got to connect people with affordable mitigation systems companies, you know. And if they can't afford it, the city needs to help pay for that, you know. We got to work on a way to, to get this stuff done. But that's not even the, the three that I would talk about. Um, there's, there's a lot going on. Um, we we got to help people. This is what I always tell people. We got to help people financially, physically, and psychologically. The, the systems are bad. I've had terrible times with doctors. The doctor I met yesterday was actually way better than most of the doctors I've ever met, like a, a primary care doctor. But a lot of these doctors are tough on you. They, they'll gaslight you. They'll push you away without helping you. Um, so we need to connect all the resources. They're all scattered. I, I've been trying to get help for so many years. I've been on in all these programs on rental assistance, um, uh, job help to get back to work, all these things. And they, and they failed and they're they're um, ancient. These systems need to be updated. Um, the resources need to all be clear and concise and, and be located in a, in a way that people can understand. Eventually, I might try to just build my, you know, build my website into that just to help people. You know, if I don't win the mayor race, maybe I just do that because I, I'm here to help. I'm not, I'm a servant. I'm not, I'm not a p politician. You know what I mean? And I've, I've been like that all my life. I never, I never liked politics and I got into it for a while and I got out of it pretty quickly. But, um, Let's get back to it. Um, so homelessness, there's a homeless shelter it, and, and it's getting it's getting taxed like they could use help. But I'm going to learn a lot more when I go there in a couple of weeks and talk to the director. So that'll give me way more insight. Um, but homeless needs to, homelessness needs to end right now. We, it, $20 billion um, HUD. I forget what it stands for. HUD, though, it's like a national program. 
They said that would end homelessness, U.S. homelessness altogether. We we send more than, than that to 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 war in Ukraine every other week. It feels like you know what I mean. This is like what are we doing here? And then um, poverty. There's every the sixty one. I think it's sixty one percent of people are living paycheck to paycheck according to sources in the whole country. So that means it's probably like that here too. We we got to help people um, with with no more struggling. No, we got to help them get out of debt. But you know, as I go, I'm going to listen and I'm going to learn plans to, to, get, to get to that point. But my goal is to get anybody that wants to own a home and land, get to them to that point. Now, if I'm the mayor, it might, it might not be in my, my first term, but it will, we will make progress. I promise that. Um, and some people will get to that point, but it's going to take time. You know, it might take decades, if, you know, if, if I'm still here and around, you know, but that's got to be the goal because like Malcolm said, um, freedom, you cannot have. And maybe it was MLK. You cannot have freedom without land. Like you need your own land. Everyone deserves their own land. Why wouldn't they? You know, it just—it's just odd that we don't. It's not odd, but you know. It, so to, we're gonna work towards home ownership, but in the meantime, we need true, safe, affordable housing. So there's there's grants that can be written. I'm willing to work with organizations. They they can be the heroes. You know, the the, the people that own the means of production. They can be the heroes if they want to be. You know what I mean? They just don't want to be some of them, you know? Let's let's make them the heroes that they want. But they need to start um, dishing out that cash or, or other resources to help with these projects that I have. Um, because I, I also can write grants. I've taken courses on grant writing. I have experience. I haven't, I haven't done it, like, officially yet. But I understand what you have to do. You have to be very specific. And you almost have to do it perfect, perfectly or they will not approve it. So I'm, I'm willing to write grants for anything and everything that will help us here in the city. So I, I, I don't have any plans on increasing um, taxes on people. We're, we're getting choked out ourselves over here. You know, we, I, I'm a I'm a home homeowner for the first time. It's been about a year now. I mean, I'm on the, the deed or the lease, the deed. Um, but, you know, I got I qualified for extended unemployment in 2020. Then the, the state of Wisconsin came after me, took me to court and they admitted that that I qualified, but they said they changed the rules. And now I got to pay over $16,000 back to them. I, we, I, we have a lien on our house that we just got, you know? Um, so it, it's just crazy. There's so many things that are, are wrong. These come, these places that are helping even, I, I feel bad for some of them because they don't have the resources to connect you to all the other resources. A lot of times you call for, for help with a doctor. They don't know if they even take your insurance or not. They tell you to contact the insurance company. It takes forever to get through the insurance company. I got to do that um, within the next couple of days for many different reasons, because I got to do physical therapy and all kinds of things to get my health back. Um, but there's just so many little things. And, and just it's just like how they give tickets out to, to people. And only it only affects people that don't have money. You know what I mean? If you got money, a ticket don't matter. But that I mean, that's just a little thing. I plan on working with these churches and stuff. Um, during the pandemic, they, a lot of them closed their doors. There was this inns program for homeless people to go and sleep sleep in there. My dad, my father, and other family members have been part of it before, um, and we were grateful for that. But I don't think that exists no more. Now it's just the Shalom Center, and they can't take everybody in. You know, they they don't have the. I don't think they have the resources for that at this point. But they are doing a lot of great work. We just need more of it. We need the whole city on board with this, though. And I don't want to just be the leader. I want to to lift everybody up and a lot of people I want to lift up past me or all of them if they make it that point that far you know because why would you slow somebody down we can't keep fighting for power 
you know, if somebody's got a better plan and, and they want to lead further, I'll, I'll let them do that as long as I trust them. You know what I mean? They got to be trusted by the community, by everybody, basically, you know. But some people, you know, they might have better plans and, and might be more intelligent or, or more in touch with certain things. And they should should be in charge of that. Then, you know what I mean? We need to appoint things to people that make sense. You know what I mean? What, what are you good at? What You know, but one of the great ideas I have um, a community center. Now, we have little community centers here and there. They cost money for different things. Um, a lot of them are either religious. They're religiously connected in certain ways and organizations. I want to make a community center that doesn't that's not connected religiously or politically. Now, religious folks and political folks can still come to the community center, but it's got to be free and it's got to have basically everything. And we need to probably build another homeless shelter. Not probably. I'm almost positive we have to. That that can be connected or we can have a, you know, transportation to go back and forth. And it's got to be for people of all ages. It could be separated somewhat, but but just some place for people to go, whether whether you're you're quiet and shy or you like to talk a lot or anything. Sometimes people just like to be around people, but don't even want to talk to them. You know, that's fine. But they don't have community. Like we're we're just stuck in our houses. You know, especially with the pandemic. But even before that, um, but then you you can learn different things, and you and you can get the. There's got to be advocates there. We got to put advocates in place. Hopefully, we can afford to to pay them. And if we can't, then we got to get um funding for that. We got it. I'm willing to ask anyone and everyone to to help with funding. You know, and they like I said, they can be the heroes of this. They can have they can slap their name on whatever. The the main thing is it's not about politics or religion. It's gotta it's just gotta be about helping people, you know. Um but like the mental health care, there's a crisis like a you know, with the, the opioid epidemic, they, they they threw uh like ADHD meds in with that in the media. So it's hard to get ADHD meds here in Kenosha and other places. There's been shortages, which make no sense. But I I went to almost every single psychiatrist I could find around here. And I ended up back at the same psychiatrist I had for years. And that's in Sturdivant in a different city um, because he's willing to help me completely. And the communication is broken down with all these different psychiatrists, basically. Um, and, and so I, I want to put this out there on the internet, not to talk crap, but to like to just show people what's available, what insurances they take, what to expect. Um, this is my experience, other people's experiences, kind of like how Google reviews do stuff, you know, but, but it's all got to be available and easy to, to access. You know, if you got this insurance, you should just click a button and then it shows you everything available and it's got to stay updated. You know, how are you going to, how are you going to get, how are you going to do this? And then if you need help, sometimes people just need help and they need advocates when they go to the doctor, someone to speak up for them. Because I, I didn't speak up for myself for a while because I thought the doctor was the professional. That's all that matters. I got to listen. But what I've learned is the doctor knows a lot, but you're the patient. So that's important. They need to listen to you and you need to tell them what you need. And you have to keep fighting for that. Now, if they have a good explanation to not do something or give you something like that happened to me yesterday, I wanted to get an MRI. They said, we'll do x-rays, get me into physical therapy and chiropractic. And then we'll go from there. That's fine with me. That's a good explanation. You know what I mean? Maybe we don't need an MRI yet. You know, maybe maybe I don't have a serious injury. It happened when I was playing basketball a few years back. I was playing defense. All the weight was on me from, you know, the, the uh, offensive player. And it just something happened to me with my uh, pelvis and my back, you know. 
And so I'm still, I, I can't even run yet. You know, I wanted to get back to playing sports and stuff. That was so fun to me. I, I used to be a coach for many years. I coached my daughter on so many different teams, different sports. We won championships, all these different things. Um, but the thing is, it's not, all this ain't available for everybody. And sometimes it's available, you can't afford it. Or sometimes it's available and you don't know about it. Or sometimes it's available, but you're afraid because you, you don't want to be judged by people. You know, there's all these different things going on. A community center needs to be built. So, and it's got to be located conveniently or there's got to be multiple um, located conveniently in Kenosha so people have access to it. Like even the, the Shalom Center got moved all the way um, over here when it was down closer towards the lake and, and more of the, like some of the more impoverished areas, you know, where pe people, that's where they are going to be most likely, you know what I mean? Um, but I mean, there's a lot of gentrification going on. They're just kind of keeping developing things and pushing people out and you know and it we got we got to stop that we can't make the beautiful looks beautiful and they always say kenosha is strong but kenosha is not strong um we can make it strong if we all work together but i mean are we going to work together i'm trying to do it you know but like the community like a lot of the community center ideas and stuff i got a lot of it written down but i'm also looking at what, what other communities are doing in in other places around the whole world um and trying to understand what we can realistically do. A lot of this will cost money. They did get um, Uline out in Pleasant Prairie, the headquarters. I don't know if you know about Uline. It's like a sh shipping company or oh, something. Oh yeah, like yeah, that. yeah. I know about Uline. Yeah, I use them. They, they're um, they partnered with the city. They're both putting three million dollars each into it, and they're 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 trying to help some of the community. And they they're considering tiny houses because there's U.S. there's veterans in Racine that got this tiny house community, but it's only temporary. Um, so they don't own it, but um, they're 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 mentioning it, but like the mayor mentioned it, but he didn't he didn't go into detail, and he didn't even say if we were gonna do that. So we don't even know what that money will eventually get spent on, and that's not even that much money if you think about it. There's so much more money that could be used to help. Um, let's just let's just uh, let's see what else we got here. Um, I was like gonna. Ask oh, go ahead. No, I was gonna go ask you. Um. This may be a silly question, but is there a political affiliation attached to to this mayor position? How does that work? Is it is this a nonpartisan, or is this automatically you have to identify? Okay. Well, the current mayor is a Democrat, but the the majority of people are not the majority. Everybody marked NA on their on their their forms. So, but that's not true. But they are all marking that, and then Corey marked independent, which. He's not independent. He's just lukewarm in the middle trying to play both sides. I mean, that's my viewpoint, but I'm pretty confident that's a fact. Um, anyways, um, Bagdala, I'm pretty – David Bagdala, I'm pretty sure, is a Republican. Um, Lydia Spotswood is, is a Democrat. She She's getting uh, events to at the Union Hall to get to, to attract more Democrats towards her. Like like I said, Corey, Corey's got a lot of support from the a lot of the Democrats that are activists. Um, some of them are actually activists, and some of them are are fake. You know, they're just pretending. Um, but um, they're all supporting him, and and I'm the one that was out there fighting all this time. You know, and and you know, it is what it is, though, right? Can't can't worry about it. It's not going to help to worry about it. Um, but I will explain the truth to people, and then and then um, Andreas Meyer. I don't think he's part of a, a party, but he tends to be connected more towards Democrats. Now, I, I do got a little bit of Democratic connection, too. And I even got, you know, a, a friend called me last week that that's a Republican. And I talked to him about a lot of things. He understands a lot of the truth. 
you know, he's yeah, he had a little couple things that were a little out out there, but for the most part, I'm I'm just learning that you, you got to get to know people, you know, and just because the the parties are racist and fascist doesn't mean everybody um part uh, part of them are. It just means that by voting for those parties, they support that, you know, and I don't know if they realize that some do and they don't care and some you know and it's like it's just this cult-like atmosphere so how do we break through it we just got I, we got to try to talk to people but malcolm also said this some some people have and he was he was talking about black folks but I, I'll, I'll apply it to all folks because he's talking about how some people have have they're the, they're the fruit of the tree right and they've fallen off the tree and they've been damaged so badly they've rolled so far that they forgot their their roots they don't know who they are anymore that's because of the media and, and all these, you know, all these connections in the system. And it's gotten them to forget about who they are and who they were, you know, and, and it, it's just crazy. It, it, he's, what he said is certain people you cannot wake up. It's impossible to wake certain people up. So what you got to do with that, you got to move past that. Those people that won't listen, that won't have a back and forth conversation with you about the truth. You got to move past that. You don't need to pour hate on hate we need to pour love on hate but he also said this you do not love those who hate you and others you don't do that um it's not it's not natural to to humans to love i mean i think more it might be more of a religious thing to love those who hate um because but if you love those who hate then you're supporting the hate and you're not exposing the hate you're not fighting back against the hate you're, you're allowing it to continue on you're pretend you're trying to love them um, but, if, you know, if they're continuing to hate, that's not working, you know, so we cannot love those. We cannot love those who hate. We, we need if they want to, you know, change eventually, that's different. We can we can show love all the time, you know, but we can't get hyper focused on that and trying to find or connect with with these people, the ones that are trying to take us down and slow us down. You know, the, the progress, the, the a lot of these people are just clogs in the system. And they want little change over time. But certain people don't have time. Uh, life's short. They're, a lot of these people are going to be dead by the time some of that change happens. So that's why I got a problem. That's why I'm not I'm not a, a Democrat anymore. I'm not Green Party no more. And I'll even go as far, you know, I was a socialist and even a communist and, and all these things. And I got to learn all these things. And I, and I say that and what I, I got broken free from the, the communism even because it, it was just another identity. And what I learned is um, some of those people, a lot of those people have uh, great ideas and thoughts, um, but a lot of them are not, some of them are, are still very hateful and, and dividing and all this infighting and it, and it doesn't make sense. Why are we doing that? You know, we're never going to achieve anything like what, what they imagine if we keep doing that. Um, but then, you know, and then there's anarchism and stuff like that. And, and, and a lot of that stuff's good. You know, anarchism is just freedom, freedom to, to be able to, you know, live where you want and support yourself, you know, and communism is more, more about like community, like, you know, the, all the entire community works together and shares the resources, you know, and I believe some of these societies can work together. Realistically, we're probably not ever going to get to that point in our lives, you know, um, but we don't have to necessarily, we gotta, we, we gotta just be broken free, no identity politics, um, religion. I, I believe God may or may not exist. Sometimes, I, I have stories. I've seen miracles happen. My daughter and I saved my brother's life. He, he, he overdosed. We got him to the hospital just in time. He was in a coma for seven days and he survived it. Now he lives out in Vermont because he, he can't be in Kenosha because there's just too much 
chaos, you know, for, for him, you know. Um, but yeah, the, the division, I, I want to work with the, these religious leaders and stuff, helping them help them open their doors so they can work in the community. Certain, certain religious leaders, not too many, are already doing great things here, you know. And then some of them, like the church I went to, I went to church with cops. I've been in their house with their families. I was friends with them for many years until up until 2020. Um, you know, like my great uncle was a, a, a cop, a detective and a member of the FBI for 30 plus years. And, you know, that doesn't mean that's good or bad. I mean, it's probably not the greatest. I've heard stories that weren't the greatest. You know, I even have a relative that was a, a cop in, uh, in the city of Chicago, you know, um, and I got good and bad stories from cops, but I got way more bad stories, you know, um, just because you had one good experience with one cop doesn't, doesn't mean anything really. You know what I mean? Because you need, you need the whole system changed and you need the cops to fight against the laws too. And they got to start saying, well, this law doesn't make sense. Um, this policy doesn't make sense. There's a use of force. This shouldn't be happening. You shouldn't be able to just start beating on somebody just for, because you feel like it, you know what I mean? So we got to get them on our side too, but it almost feels like an impossible feat. Like, you know, I, I sat out here for years yelling, yelling at, at, at the police, F12, you know, and I mean, I still feel that way, but I want to, I want to change it. I don't want to keep yelling that I want to get united. And that's why I feel like I'm the best candidate because I have, I have the whole, not, not the whole, but I have a lot of the experience necessarily. I have the le the leadership, I'm proven. I've had the jobs. I worked in a union. I worked for the city. I worked for the college. I worked, you know, and I have all these jobs that I've had. I got to see things. But then I've also been out here. I've I've been homeless. I've been I've been beaten in jail. I've been, you know, I've been a victim of police brutality. Um I I have four college degrees. I you know what I mean? I'm well educated. I I understand the education part of it. I but I also understand the street part of it. The, some of the political game part of it, I don't understand completely and I'm learning, but I don't necessarily want to be a part of that completely. I, I want to be a part of the part that I need to be a part of to change the community. You know what I mean? I don't want to, I don't want to be part of some old fashioned, you know, fake show that they put on. I want to change that. So let's, let's make it a new show. And it's all about helping people only, you know, that's what we got to work towards. I, I reached out to the chief of police uh, and he didn't come replied back to me he did say he got an email that was forwarded to him i wanted to do a ride-along today he said oh, i don't know if you can do the ride-along based on your criminal history i'll have to look into that but he did give me his uh personal email and then he gave me the same um phone number i already have for him the one that he didn't respond to but he's not the same chief of police that was in charge when i got shot so there there might be a he might be different but so far there's no transparency or accountability so you know why would we think he's different yet, you know He's going to have to prove that. And it, and it has to come by connections. Now, he said he's been in contact with with uh, a certain leader in Kenosha, who I don't consider a leader. Um, and it, it's just a game. You know what I mean? Because that person's connected to a political party and pretends not to be most of the time. I'm not connected to nothing. You know, and I did say that to him and he kind of left. He's like, well, you are running for mayor. Like, yeah, I am because I want to change things. You know what I mean? Um but, you know, if we can't if we can't work with them and they can't communicate with with the people that want to fix this and, and community members, there's no hope. It's just going to there's going to be another 2020. Eventually, there's gonna, it's just going to, you know, and there's, there's all kinds of things happening where people don't even say nothing. You know, little things happen, then bigger things happen. This, it doesn't get recorded, you know, or it does. And that gets, you know, get destructed. The 
the film gets destructed, destroyed. You can't find certain things. Um, I was going to talk about. I had I had a question about something you just said. We we've, we've talked about it a lot on the forum, um, but I want to get your personal views on this topic of um, policing because if, if this is episode sixty, but. A lot of the stuff we've discussed, we, we've gone pretty into detail with in previous episodes, but I want to get your view on policing in particular, considering your backstory. Um, how would that be a struggle for you if you became the mayor of Kenosha, considering your history with the police in the same city? And what's your overall view of policing? And what would you do? Would you want to change the way policing is done? And how do you go about doing that? Well, so I, I met with the firefighters union and I, I mentioned um, possibly uh, defunding the police to a degree um, to actually to help support them and others more in the community that are actually doing right. You know what I mean? Um, but for the policing, like like I said, I, I was trying I'm trying to do a ride along, but I've all, I'm also committed to, to to four hours every quarter. So four times a year for four hours to to do a, a ride along and, and see what, what their struggles are and, and what they're up to, but not just policing the firefighters, the teachers, doctors, anyone that, that, that would help me to, to see more into would is what, what I want to do. You know, I don't want to just go around to, to events and take pictures with people and shake hands. I want to be out there um, fi fixing these issues. We got to keep moving. They're, we're running out of time. And I keep telling that to people. We're literally running out of time. Our lives will be, be here and gone before they know it. You know, we could just die right now. We could just boom. You know what I mean? Um, um, for policing, I have a lot of ideas. I'm still working on forming the whole the whole plan um, because so many people have had so many ideas from different cities. And I mean, what we have to do, it's just that accountability and transparency have to start from day one. So somehow we got to um, figure out how we're going to do that. How are they going to become more transparent and accountable? Any, any of these cops that don't want to change or, or some that have, um, certain history that have been proven because like I've been held accountable for anything I've done wrong and some things that I didn't do wrong, you know, fully, you know, and so now they need to be held accountable. So if they got a history, some, we, we got, we have, we have to do something about that. And I don't know what power I have as the mayor to do that. Um, I was just going to ask you that you've mentioned accountability several times and, and we've talked about this on the forum. I mean, you're the, 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 the magic word is, is, ending the qualified immunity as, as an initial step. Um, do you have that capacity as a mayor? That was a question I was going to ask you. And you also made a comment about the police um, doing their part. Why would the police have incentive to do their part when they're protected under these same immunity laws and the unions are amongst the strongest in the country? Right. Okay. Um, you're exactly right. Um, the thing is, there are public servants, right? They're working class. Some of them don't even have have their, their all their needs met. Some of them don't, you know, um, you know, because they're part of the union, and not all these unions are taking care of everybody fully. The the reason that they would want me as the mayor is because they can become the heroes that they signed up to be. Basically, um, we can't just keep po they post propaganda all the time, you know, making themselves look good. We can they we can make connections like even just having business cards with all their personal information and handing out when i was a kid in toma they
they used to give out baseball cards and stuff. That was even cool to me. Like, oh, cops are pretty cool. You know, that's what I thought, you know. Um, but but it can't, yeah, there there's got there's gotta be more more than just me. There's gotta be other leaders working with me to to figure this out completely. And it, obviously the police have to be a huge part of that. Um, the incentive would be the whole community can start trusting and caring about the police and supporting them. Well, some people will never forgive the police. I understand that there's reasons for that. You know what I mean? Um, but we have to build trust and it's got to, it's hard to explain it. Like, um, like the qualified immunity, like we, we definitely got to fight for, for different things, different protocols to change. Um, we got to recreate policing. It, it, you know, they, they keep buying certain vehicles and stuff like that, but I do have some incentives just, just like the, with the environment part. Um, but the policing, the police can be the heroes for more than just the people that they're connect, that they're protecting. You know what I mean? They're supposed to be protecting all of us, right? Protect and serve public servants, you know, but they really, they really, a lot of times they'll just drive around communities knowing that they'll, they'll find some, something wrong to, to target people. You know what I mean? And, and, or they'll just be posted up parked somewhere all day or most of the day, not doing anything, you know, um, we're, we're wasting resources. We're wasting time. I'm not trying to say we're going to fire all these people, but certain ones might have to go. Or if I can't fire them, I can help push for that. Um, but they got to start being held accountable by they uh, apologies for certain things. Um, good cops, like you know, the whole the system's corrupt. That's why there are no good cops. But there are cops that are fighting. They are they do good stuff, and they they're not like the other cops. You know, they need to have a, a safe way to to get these bad cops outed um out of the out of the the department you know what i mean so they don't have to look bad so the police don't have to look bad no more if we start if people start seeing that that that'll start building trust if, if the dirty cops are, are getting out and we find a safe way they can send it right to the mayor if i'm the mayor send it right to the mayor and i will work on figuring that out you know what i mean the community will work on figuring that out together on what to do with these people you know there's got to be a system in place for them to do that safely, though, because if they do that, they're going to be targets themselves. You know, once you break free from the cult, then now, now, you know, your your life's on the line. You know what I mean? So that's why they don't do it. I understand that. So we got to make it. We got to make it a way for that to happen. And I'm willing to do that. Any any of these good cops, like I've had a good experience with a cop recently. You know, she it was a sheriff's department, but she parked. I was helping change a tire out on Green Bay Road. She, and she put her lights on for us. And they should all do this when they see somebody changing a tire, like, especially on a busier road. But I don't see that in the city, you know? I don't see that kind of support. Just for, that's public safety, you know? Community support. Make sure mm -hmm. we don't get hit by a car while we're helping We're helping each other, you know? So I appreciated that. Um, but that's just one moment, you know? This, this should be happening all day, every day, basically. It's not like they they can always be the heroes, and they they don't they shouldn't be out be known as the only heroes. We can all be the heroes, you know. We can all be the leaders. Um, we do we do have to figure out a realistic way to do that. And I I'm planning on trying. I'm gonna try to get um a few people leaders around here that I actually trust, and and then try to get this meeting set up with the chief of police, and and see what we can do because I've seen other leaders around here that have pretended to do certain things, and nothing has changed because of it lukewarm things that that aren't actually realistic changes and it doesn't really give the police incentive to change either they're just more you know they show up in certain neighborhoods they might give a kid a bike or 
or, you know, say hi to a kid or shoot a basket or something. You know what I mean? Like, that's that propaganda I'm just talking about. Um, we, we have to build con connections and relationships. But, we, I mean, we're going to need some kind of committee, accountability and transparency committee. I got a couple of people in mind that, that could help with that. Um, I'm not here to destroy public safety. That would be stupid, right? We need public safety. That's why every every candidate's all talking about public safety. You know, it, it, it are you are you concerned that the other candidates will use your sort of language against you though? Because because I've had because I know um, especially when the whole Black Lives Matter uh, movement was at its peak, not not the peak as far as um the potential to do great things as an organization, I think right now, don't even ask me about Black Lives Matter right now. But And I have my reasons as to why it, um, the organization itself is not doing well um, in the public view. Um, I have my own theories behind that, but I think the writing's kind of on the wall with these um, NGOs and when they get co-opted by certain institutions, moneyed interest and um you see the platform and the agenda changing a lot more and um and that that kind of happened with black lives matter i think because i think with ferguson for instance um if you were to ask most white people about black lives matter they were clueless um and i just use white people for an example um somehow with 2020 with the 2020 election we've talked about this a couple of times on the forum there was this groundswell of support for Black Lives Matter. All of a sudden, came out of thin air, it seemed. And um, and I was always skeptic. I always believed that it was politically motivated. I'm not saying that the will of the people wasn't positive, but I think it was really for another agenda. I mean, you had the virus; it was rampant at that point. And I think a lot of people just wanted Trump out of office. I don't think it had anything to do with people caring about. Um, the actual issue of police brutality. Um, if people really cared about the issue of brutality, um, laws would have been pretty much changed. Um, you can't even get the ruling class to agree on any qualified immunity and as just a, an initial um, handshake, I guess is what you would call it, an initial contract to show that you want to hold police accountable. You've said that so many times, accountability. And we've said that on the forum, too, but you can't even get um, the blue team that claims to be um, pro-Black people, pro-whoever they are, pro-immigrants. They don't even agree with ending qualified immunity. So why is the conversation even going on if you're not even going to stand on that issue, you know, of just ending the police um, presence and the power of the police, just giving them accountability? I mean, they have all the power now judicially and everything else because, I mean, we can say accountability all day long, but there's nothing that's going to derail these police unions and their power because that there's no, there's no protocol in place. For, right. for that to yeah. I don't know if that's a local thing, a state level. I don't know what that entails, but I don't see that changing in the foreseeable future. Well, yeah, what they do with these movements, and I and I share circulate a meme a lot. Well, I have I was for many years, uh, I'm pretty sure it was many years. Um, and it's like this um meme, 
and it's like it's a democratic party and it's like the slayer of death and they and they go around slaying all these movements you know and a lot of them they started and a lot of them they ended just as quick as they needed to because they used it for the political race or, or for this reason or that reason you know and there's a history of it if you do enough research anybody that can do this research and they can find out about these movements and how they came and they left even the me too movement you know for like you know women as victims that ended as soon as like Biden started getting prominent because all of a sudden we were talking about Biden and, and his history, you know, with what he was up to. And then all of a sudden, no, no, me too movement no more. But this goes back to all kinds of movements all for decades. And, you know, and I'm not blaming them all uh, Democrats for everything. Obviously like the Republicans there, they, they tend to be more blatantly evil, like not all of them, but the party, you know, locally, they, they they fight for weird things. They try to get stuff shut down. So then the, the Democrats will, will fight back by um, fighting for reform or a little change here, a little change that. But barely anything ever changes. You know, it's like they're playing this game together, back and forth, back and forth, just yelling at each other. You're the bad guy. No, you're the bad guy. And we're out here um, looking at it from an independent view, seeing that they're both the bad guys. You know, not all the people are. But if they keep voting for evil, that's 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 evil. You know what I mean? But like I said, it doesn't matter what you did in the past. What are you going to do in the future? You know, because that's what we got to change Like in your life. You're right. Like accountability, transparency. Those are good words. But this is buzzwords until something realistically happens and changes, you know, um, but like I got a lot of work to do because I have to figure out I want to be very clear and concise what what the plans are t to make this happen. Because um, you can't just be some wild thoughts all over the place. And sometimes that's what happens to me. My thoughts just go everywhere. But I'm I'm able to reel them in eventually and get it, you know, get it formed. Um, so I don't have the exact answer right now. And I don't really have the, the exact answer on anything yet. I just know I'm here to help and, and to serve. And I will do everything in my power to help any struggling person, you know, as long as they want that help. We're here. Some people can't don't even know how to ask for the help. I want to help them to to feel comfortable to ask for that help because I've asked for help recently, like when our cat was dying and stuff. And and people like demonized me. I, I they um uh, they they just say I, I don't even know exactly what they were saying, but they they just try to shut you down as soon as you ask for help. Like why don't you just go do this? You don't need help like this. Why don't you fight to do like I've been doing that my whole life, fighting to get help. So now you're telling me to not ask for help. No, I'm an advocate for people that are worried about asking for help. I help. I try to push for, for that. Any kind of help you need, you need to ask for it. Um, anybody that you're connected to that needs help, fight to help help them find the help they need. You know, like, that's just got to keep on going. We got to keep doing it. And you can't just talk about it. We got to do it. It's got to be about action. The mm -hmm. words are very important, too. I always used to say words are just as important as actions. In some cases they are, but if you don't do the actions with the words, then it's just meaningless, you know? What, see, um, what is, as far as the budget is concerned, I don't know how familiar you are with the, the, the city's budget or are there areas of the budget that you are thinking about cutting and um, what areas of the budget do you think are underemphasized? Uh, right now I'm having trouble finding the details on the budget. I don't know if that's on purpose or not. Um, there is like a, like a year, I think it's a yearly like finance meeting or something next month I plan on being at, or no, it's in November um, to learn more, but I, I'm, I got to dig deeper to under, to understand what we're going to do because yeah, exactly. We, we're going to have to, 
you know, the budget's going to go up here and go down here. And then certain things are going to appear that never appeared before. And some things might just disappear. It doesn't mean that got, all these people are going to lose their jobs. They just might have different jobs. We got, we're going to have to change it up. They, they need to be in positions where they're, they're helping people. They're, nobody needs a job where they're not helping. You know what I mean? And then, you know, just like people that do jobs that nobody wants to do that are helpful for society, those people deserve to get paid more, you know? I, I mean, I don't know how much I can do for that, but I can definitely keep fighting for that and anything I can do to help people more. Like, we, we just got to get people to... I mean, there's, there's so many people that are still stuck in their house or they're, they're, they don't they don't get to go out in the community. I was walking around downtown cleaning it up last night and I remember all these these memories from different years and, and childhood and all this stuff and everything looks different now. Um, but I couldn't even afford to go down there and hang out. I could like physically go down there, but I can't I can't go and afford to, you know, have a meal or, or a drink or 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 anything and just hang out. I, I most people that are struggling can't afford that. But yet there's plenty of people still doing it. I support small businesses, um, but I, I still have issues with certain ones of them. And, you know, I, I would love to work with them to see what their needs are, help them to make sure they can pay their employees better, make sure they're taking care of their employees right. If the employees are going to work and they're stressed out and miserable, we got to fix that because why do people need to go to work and feel miserable? We need to create passionate jobs for people, even people that are disabled that can't work and, you know, in the media's eyes they have to be able to work to their ability and get paid fairly for it. Everybody can work. You should be able to get paid for your ideas. And I know people say, well, we just invent this or that, but it costs money to do that. And usually they'll just steal your ideas anyway, you know? So I, I know that's like so many things that are probably not reasonable anytime soon. Some of them, I mean, but like the, the resources, connecting the resources, making sure it's easy to access. We can, we can get that going right away. Um, we can start making it easier for people. The, the police, they're going to have to get on board. Um, you know, and I probably won't win this election if I don't have them on board somewhat. Maybe maybe I could still do it. I, I have no idea. I, I, I look forward to getting those signatures, hopefully, and getting on that debate stage. Um, another big thing is the environment. We, we don't really do a lot of green environment stuff. Like I've been in the urban farming program here at Gateway, so I, I understand a lot of things. I, you know, there's different, you know, there's solar energy, geothermal, um, hydro, hydropower, hydroelectric, all these things that we can start doing. So I want to focus on uh, reducing CO2 emissions just by, we can start with the city vehicles, you know, and create, you know, get the hybrid vehicles in here or, or you know, whatever we got to do. But then over time, you know, we want to do this for buses too. And then the busing, it's got to be free for, for low income, elderly and disabled individuals. All of them. It's got to be free because, I mean, how are you supposed to get on your feet if you're paying just for transportation? And, and then some the, of these buses. Oh, go what's, the, what's the threshold of that? You say um, disadvantaged um, economically, but what's the threshold of that? What, what defines a person as poor in your assessment? Um, I mean, first of all, I, I would like all the public transportation to be completely free for everybody eventually. Oh, gotcha. I'm just saying we got, okay. we got we got to start we got to start somewhere so we could draw the line somewhere. Um, a living wage nationally, based on the numbers I calculated on um, uh, average and median home costs, is fifty dollars and ninety cents an hour. So my friend Jennifer actually helped me with that, um, which is uh, about one hundred and five thousand dollars a year. In some places, higher and lower. Here, you would probably have to make around forty dollars an hour to to have a living wage. So if you're not making that much, you're likely struggling, and maybe if you're in a lot of debt you still aren't 
you know, you're still struggling, you know, and you know, that's a high amount. I've never made, I never made over $20,000 in a year in my life. You know, it's been a struggle. <laughs> I so if I became the, the, about just making available to everyone. I mean, how many people are you realistically going to say makes $40 an hour? I can't think of many people in my area with, even with these nicer homes. I mean, I, I can't think of people making that kind of money an hour. So yeah. you're talking so about the majority you're, of the people. You're right. You're right. You're right. We, we just got to make it free for everyone. You know, not, I mean, I was thinking about starting there, but I think it, it, it ends there right there. after you just explained it. It ends right there. Yeah, because so, they're going to use that against you. They're going to use it Well, you're cutting up, like, that's the majority of the people. So, well, yeah, and you want to reach out to, to the people that, that are actually doing better. You want to make sure you got incentives for them, too. You know what I mean? Why, why would they vote for me if I'm not going to help them, too? You know, they're going to get help in different ways. I mean, but once the economy is doing better, that's going to help their economy, whatever they're doing up to, you know what I mean? So that's it. Um, we're we're going we're gonna to focus on renewable energy, starting with municipal buildings and eventually expanding to the entire city. We have to do stuff like this. One of the other candidates got some really good ideas on some of this stuff. I'm not going to steal all of his ideas or nothing, but I've already had this idea. Um, he, he's got some more detailed plans. I, I'd love to work with the guy. I mean, we can't both become the mayor, but we, we, some, someone's got to get in, get in power to, to get these, these things changing right away. You know what I mean? Um, there was, there was one other thing. Let's see. Oh, I, I was going to ask you, when is like the biggest, when is this debate? Um, when would it happen? A public debate? Um, for this mayoral race in particular? From my knowledge, it would be in January or sometime earlier in February. It would have to be because it's got to be after the signatures and then it's got to be it's got to be before the primaries, which would be February 20th, if there's more than two candidates. Um, um, but like, I'm, I want to expand, like like on the, the, there's an app, a Kenosha City app. It, it doesn't really have much resources. We need to connect people to the resources like for food, health, physical and mental well, wellness. And we got to have advocates on staff to help people make those connections. You know, that's not, there's a, there's a lot of good information out there, but it's just scattered, you know, and then to ensure everyone has access to healthy food, we're going to seek federal funding for the, for produce prescriptions. I don't know if you're familiar with that. It's a, a, pro, a program that's been going around. Um, it's, they've, they've already proven that everybody in the program, it's benefiting their health. Um, you, you qualify through your ins your insurance company, from my knowledge, though, that that's the tricky part, you know, and then it could be just if you're sick or if you're unhealthy or maybe if you're elderly or, or certain demographics right now is what they're they're focused on. Um, but we, we got to get it. If we can get funding for that, we got to get that going. I would love to get everybody getting produce prescriptions, you know, and then the, la the last thing. Um, the um, these food deserts. Um, I grew up here. There was all these stores in the middle of town, you know, Walmart, Kmart was here, Shopco, uh, Save-A-Lot. I used to go to all these places shop. Even the, the Dollar Tree I would shop at for, for many years of my life. And they're all gone. They all got moved out there. Um, you got to have a vehicle to get out there. So, um, and then the main store, Walmart, you, there's not even a bus path or bus route to go out there. You can't get there. But the, the main issue is there's, I mean, there's like a build, there's a building, there's an old pick and save building not being used. They shut it down. They, they said it was, I think it was because people were stealing from there or something. I don't know the whole truth about it. Um, but we, there's programs in place already around the country in certain areas from, from my research 
where there's there's like buses, maybe trucks too, and they deliver the food, the grocery orders. I think it's free in some of these spots, right to the people or or somewhere close to where they can grab it and realistically. That way they can get more groceries too. Because if you take the bus or something or you're walking, you can only carry so much, you know. You might have a bike, you put it in your little thing, you can only carry so much. You can't even get like some frozen goods if you're too far away, especially in the summertime, it's just going to melt and it's going to spoil, you know. So I want to bring the food right to the people, you know. Um, you know, make the buses hybrid and then make the buses work right, you know. The... The thing is, we, we need a lot of, we're going to need a lot of support for this to make it happen, but we can, we can definitely budget for some of it. We can definitely um, write grants and we can definitely try to get these organizations to partner with us. And like I said, they can be the heroes if they want part of the, be part of the hero process. That's fine with me. Um, there was actually, oh no. And then the other thing is the Kenosha hospital and the, the firefighters brought this to my attention. This is where my daughter was born. They, they, they closed down like the whole hospital, basically. There's just tiny little services left. Um, it, it's putting more tension on our emergency services. Now they got to go all the way out towards Pleasant Prairie, which is another city um, connected to us, basically Kenosha. Um, but it's also making it harder for people that have issues and stuff. You can't even go get to the hospital now, you mm -hmm. know, and it's going to take you longer. If it's life or death, you might be dead now because it's further to go. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to figure out what to do. Like I, I researched how I can meet with the, the CEO of Freighter, see if what what's the real issue. I've seen like David Magdala, one of the candidates, he met with, with somebody else, a different leader before, but nothing got talked about or changed really from my knowledge. We need to talk to the people that, that have the power to change it. And if they're not willing to do something, we got to figure out a way for for some some an, another hospital system to come in and, and take over. So there's access for people, you know, it's the same with the, the grocery store. The building's still there, and it's in a great location where where there's a lot of impoverished people in that area. That would be a great location to get that back open. And then just more things we can pop up. Instead of just making downtown beautiful and calling it Kenosha Strong, it's like putting it's, – it's like uh, making the, the book cover look beautiful, and then, no, you know, nobody's really reading the chapters about the people in, in the city and their struggle and stuff. They'll just read, they'll just cut to certain chapters of, of the people that are being successful. I have a lot of, you know, like I said, I, I, I was a Christian for many years. I've been on many mission trips. I, I've got to bond with many people through that. There was a lot of great things we did. Um, but at the same time, the the a lot of the leaders of this church, they they talk about the devil in distraction and deceiving, but yet they're doing it. Mm -hmm. They're distracting. They're deceiving. They're making you cry. They're putting, taking, bringing the band out on the stage. Um, so you empty your pockets and they're a lot, a lot of them are living in nice houses, you know? Um, and it's like, we, we got to, we got to start opening up about all this. Like I believe, I, I don't, I don't necessarily believe in uh, Christianity, but I believe in um, being, being a servant like Jesus, or at least how Jesus is described in the Bible. I do believe in that. Um, there's a lot of things in the Bible, like there's, um, you know, a lot of homophobia and sexism or yeah, sexism and, and different things. And those things don't really get discussed. I've been in a lot of church groups and all these things. It's like, I don't even know if they would allow me back in the church to speak. They, they probably won't just because I'm not part of the group no more. You know, I, I ain't in the connection no more, but I don't, I'm not, I don't hate all these people. I, I'll work with any 
non-religious or religious people of, of any faith, you know, I do have faith somewhat, but I just am realistic. God may or may not exist. And I do that based on both of my brothers. My brother had a miracle. Me and my daughter helped save him. And he came out of that coma. And my other brother got destroyed while his friend got decapitated and he broke every bone in his body. Everything doesn't happen for a reason. Some things do and some things don't is what I've learned. And we got to be realistic and honest about these things. Nobody knows if God exists. When I took my spiritual gift um, test in, in church, they, they said I had the gift of prophecy and faith. I, I don't think I, I have the gift of prophecy. I just think I'm paying attention, you know, and I'm aware of things, you know. So sometimes I see things that are going to happen ahead of time, but that doesn't mean I'm a prophet. You know, maybe you could call it that, but I won't call myself a prophet. And then faith, it just means that I, I have faith that that there's hope for people, that there's change. And and my daughter's name is Faith. I named her, you know, after my faith. Well, other things too, but it's like I have I I'm I just hope there's something out there for after we go. You know, I hope there is for people, especially the people that that just suffered their part of their life or all their lives. You know, I just hope there's something out there, but we don't know. We don't know. And I like to hear people's stories about how, how miracles happen and God exists in that. But I also want them to tell me the other stories about how God is evil and God did this. If, if God is almighty, like the, like the, a lot of them say, if God's almighty, and he's got all the power. I mean, that, but they use the devil as a cop out, you know, well, the devil, this, the devil, that, but it's like, no, if God's almighty, then God doesn't, the devil can't affect God, you know? So I, I just, I would like, I would love to, to be able to preach just based off of, of no religion. You know what I mean? Like, I don't want no identity. I don't, I, I used to have this word stuck in my head for many years when I was a little kid and it was just the word nothing. And now it's starting to connect back to me. Like you, you and a couple others helped me to just break free completely from the identity politics. I broke free from the religion in 2020. Uh, a lot of people separated. Some people still tried to reach out and those were caring people. But I broke free because you guys from politically completely because some people were just turning me off. But then I realized I wasn't thinking freely completely. I, I was just I was kind of trying to just find where I fit in. And these groups are that group, you know, and it's divisive. And even when people hear the word communism, even socialism in a lot of cases, because like Hitler used that word and stuff like that to, to trick people. It turns them off and it freaks them out. And a lot of them won't even do the research to understand what those things mean. You know, so let's not use those words. We can still talk about them, of course. And and a lot of those people are good people that are socialists and communists and anarchists, you know. But it, the, using those words alienates um, the ordinary person. Um, I think it's 54 uh, percent of Americans, I call, uh, you know, Americans have a literacy level of fifth grade or lower and mm -hmm. one in five is, is illiterate. And I don't think people really know that. And just with these, te these teachers here, they, they're being like, uh, they just had an increase in pay 4% for Kenosha teachers because, you know, Republicans are fighting against it, but there's more to it than that. But Racine and Milwaukee, the next two counties over got an 8% increase. So that's gonna, that's gonna put more stress on them. And a lot of these teachers, they give, they give from their own their own pocket to make sure things happen growing up like certain field trips. I, I guarantee you some of those teachers helped pay for some of those field trips for me, you know, and I used to have to go home and beg for, for money for field trips or one time I got on the football team for a couple of years in middle school because I begged to be on the team. Um, but we didn't have the money for it. It's not that, that my mom didn't want to help. It's just because she really couldn't do it, you know, so she didn't really know what to tell me, you know, 
but she always tried to put she always put food on the table and, and i've had issues with with all my family members here and there you know most of us have um but i mean it, it's a lot it's a lot i, I was gonna i was gonna ask you randy we have to wrap it up because my son's actually he stayed home today because he's not feeling the best and okay. i got to go get my daughter relatively soon from school but I was going to ask you, do you have any, like, message or final words um, for my audience? I know you say you haven't developed your website, like, fully yet, but um, I'll supply the links and everything at the end of the episode description, whatever you want me to supply at the end of it. But is there, like, a message that you want to um, send to my audience and in case an audience member had a question or a comment? Um, and you were available to answer that question, what's the easiest way to contact you? Uh, uh, Randy J for mayor at gmail.com. I hope that's what it is. Yeah. I Randy think J. Yeah. Randy J. I mean, there's other ways to contact me. You go on my, my Facebook mayor page, you, you can get my phone number and anything. You can text me, call me even. Um, probably text if you don't know me, just to let me know about, you know, what's going on who you are and what your, you know, your question or what you want to talk about. But um, my message for people is to, to be skeptical, challenge anything you don't understand and learn. And you, you got to learn anything um, that you don't know about before speaking on it. Don't go around speaking on things you don't know about and don't go and get in battles with people when you don't know about things. And if, if people want to um, gaslight you or be narcissistic, get block them, get, get away from them. People, no matter what party they're part of, um, some of these members of certain parties are not so bad. So you might be able to work with some of them. So don't demonize everybody either. Um, you gotta, if, if somebody tells you something that you think is not true and they're giving you um, resources and, or they're telling you things in, in facts, go look it up, research it before you, and, and don't just look at one source. And a lot of the mainstream media sources are going to give you um, half truths. I, I always tell people that a lot of it's partially true. So that's how they fool you, you know? Um, look into it way deeper than that. Um, be be critical of people. Be hold yourself accountable. Hold others accountable. I know we talked about that word, but literally do that. Be be as transparent as you possibly can. Tell your story to others. Talk to people about others. Get get just try to wake people up. You've got to agitate people. That's the only way to do it for a lot of these people. We always would say this. You know, they're at brunch. There a lot of them are still at brunch. Agitate. This is why I say agitate, educate, learn, um, organize, and then come up with real plans and act. Act, act, act. You ha the actions have to come. It, it cannot, and we can't get caught up in these political parties and all that. We just got to work on helping people. If there's ways you can get involved in your community to help, that have they can be politically connected if you want. But if, if they're actually doing something good and you want to get involved, like last night I was out there cleaning up part of Kenosha. Um, just do it and don't do it to break. Like I might mention on my page to let people know that these opportunities are out there and we should be doing it, you know, but don't go out there to break, go out there to just help people, you know, and, and some people get mad, like when people film, like them, people helping homeless people. But if they, if they're doing that and they're giving, if they're helping fund those homeless people, I mean, this is 2023. I would rather have them helping those homeless people by filming them than not filming them and not helping them. You know what I mean? So don't so don't just demonize everything just because it doesn't sound humble. Like in a, in a perfect world, we we don't have homeless people. We wouldn't have to worry about none of that, you know. Um, 
anytime you see people hating on people for no good reason, um, it, it could be racism, sexism, um, homophobia, anything, call them out. If you're silent, you're a part of the problem. Okay. You, you got to call people out. You got to talk to them and you, you got to be kind. I always say this, be kind, but not always nice. Um, because kindness, you can always spread love. You can spread, but some people are there to destroy you and it don't waste too much time on them. If they're interested, if you can tell they're destroying you or, or there's somebody, you know, help them get away from you. You know what I mean? Do whatever you got to get away from those people because we got to help people. We got to help each other. And then after we help each other, we got to like me and you got to help each other. And then we got to use that to help others, you know, and we're doing it right now, but we got to keep doing more. We got to find more media sources or, you know, different ways to get out in the media. Um, just, we got to be creative in how we're going to do this because they, and we got to use some of their own tactics against them because that's what they've been doing and not in an evil way at all. I'm just saying, so we can help people, you know, they're trying to manipulate. We're not trying to manipulate. We're, we're trying to, liberate people you know not not black and rainbow capitalism um black and gay liberation and brown liberation native li liberation um er everybody being liberated you know um we got to learn more history about our nation and, and the whole world history and and t teach that to others and and learn teach learn teach listen learn from them take it all in learn more and teach others and just keep doing that because I didn't grow up learning most of the stuff I know now. I was very intelligent and learned so many things, but then I realized now that it was all fake lies. We got we got the Lincoln statue up. That's the most known statue I know in Kenosha, and he was a white supremacist. Now, by default, he did he did help somewhat. You know what I mean? Um, but all presidents did a little bit of good and a lot of bit of bad. You know. Um, so there's just more so much more to it. But advocate for yourself. Advocate for others. Um, we got to fight for everybody's physical, psychological, and financial means needs to be met at all times. That's what we got to do. We got to love. We got to understand. We got to be patient. Some of these things I struggle with, just to let you know, you know what I mean? But these, these are these are the things we need because this is how we're going to unite together, you know. Um, and like I said before, you, you cannot go around loving those who are hating on people. No, Th that hate will never end that way. So they... You gotta, you gotta grow, grow pair. You know, I shouldn't say that, but like you, you just gotta, you, you gotta be fearless. You know, you might be nervous about it, but you can be fearless. You can be nervous and fearless at the same exact time. You know, be fearless. Fight for people. Stand up for people. You see somebody getting attacked in your community, whether it's online or in person, you fight for them, people. And and if you're being attacked and and they're they're trying to take put you in the grave. Like Malcolm X said, you use every resource, every inch of power you have to defend yourself and you fight back. You do not let somebody put you in the grave without fighting back. That doesn't make any sense. But a lot of people are out here convincing people that it's, it's noble to be this and that. You know what I mean? No. When, when your life's on the line, you fight back. And that's why I'm so passionate about this. That's why we have to act. And that we're, we, we can't have another mayor in Kenosha or anywhere um, getting elected and continuing on with the fascism and the fake the fake crap in, in the gentrification and the, the racism and the, the list goes on. We can't keep doing that. Um, I, eventually I might, I might just have to be out. I might just have to get out of the town and the, the state and the country altogether. I mean, I do want to travel, 
but I, I can't, I can't sit around here and, and just be destroyed, but I don't want to, I don't want to, uh, abandon people because that's what's been happening to me all my life. So that's why I'm, I mean, my daughter's here too. So that's another reason to stay, but like, I don't want to abandon the people that need the help, but it's so hard because every, all these powers are working against us, you know? And, and I don't really don't know what's going to happen going forward, but I'm trying to um, become more aware about the, how, how they're doing these politics and how I can finally be heard um, and, and enact change. And I, I don't even know if that's going to happen, but I know I'm going to die trying. You know what I mean? I might not die. I might die trying. I, I mean, eventually I will die trying. You know, I just don't know when, you know, and I hope more people get that attitude and, and truly mean it from your heart. Like you got to be willing to sacrifice for others, but you got to take care of yourself. You got to take care of your family and your friends, but you can't just take care of those people. And if you got more resources and you got more ability, you need to reach out and help more, more and more people. And sometimes you just got to, you know, just do whatever you, you think's best, but make sure that you you're paying attention, make sure your heart's in it, make sure your mind's right. Um, turn off mainstream media until you're ready to um, be skeptical of it. You shouldn't be watching it. I don't, the, the news, like, I turn on the news a couple of weeks ago and it just, it's just, I, I can't, every time I watch it, it's just all these, these things happening that aren't actually happening. Like nothing's getting done, you know, um, like they're talking about new prescription medicine, uh, different medicines for people. Um, they, they're going to be negotiating with, you know, Medicaid or whatever's going to negotiate that may or may not happen. That's getting caught up in the courts. Um, that's that's not even going to happen until 2026, if if then even, and then that just reduces costs possibly. So that's nothing to brag about. Um, like like Biden, I got a lot of problems with. He did the student the student loan prep. He he pretended to. He at one point I got proof of it. He ran on forgiving pretty much all student loans. He could have he could have avoided the, the the Republican courts and got this done. And instead he played the game that he knows so well. And he made sure it got caught up and he made sure we didn't even get the 10 or 20,000 off, you know? So I'm still about $150,000 in debt between the, the state and federal, you know, there's not a lot of hope for many of us to get out of debt even. So we got to work on that. How are we going to get people out of debt? Let's give, they got to get job. They got to be able to work to, to their ability. You know, they got to be, feel a part of the community and actually be a part of the community. Um, but just like the, how they run on Roe versus Wade over and over again, they could have codified that so many times. They've had super majorities at times, you know, and they, they're still like in Wisconsin. Now they, they open back Planned Parenthood. That's that's a good thing. You know what I mean? Um, so, you know, for for women, whoever that need help with, you know, abortion help or anything else like that. But I still don't understand that completely. And it doesn't mean Roe versus Wade got overturned. And it's more complicated than that anyways. Um but, but people can need to, to, to pay attention and vet every candidate, including myself, vet us completely, vet us, get to know who we are and what we're about and our history. Some of my history is the greatest, but I can, I can explain myself. I don't make up excuses either. I, I, I'm not perfect and I've made many mistakes. You know, we have to be accountable for ourselves. Um, but we, we also like, like um, every single president besides Trump uh, as a, uh, slave owning ancestry most people don't know that um even obama and even kamala harris but it, it doesn't mean they're evil but their evil means they're evil and the fact that they all are connected to these former slave owners it's like the slave owner never left you know and then trump no he doesn't have the ancestry but he's got the attitude you know he said he was going to make mexico pay for the border wall he couldn't get that done and then biden 
got them to pay $1.5 billion earlier this year. There's been more, um, the Mexico, he made Mexico pay for the border. You know, Biden did that, not Trump. And um, um, there's been more deaths at the U.S.-Mexico border, I think, um, in, the, in 2022 than at any border in, in any part of the world, I think. The, the military, the police, um, and the border budgets are went up by billions, and they're the highest possibly in the history of the world anywhere. I can't verify that for sure, but I'm pretty confident it might be true. Um, it definitely in this country it is. So it's just fascism growing and growing and growing, capitalism growing and growing and growing. Guess what that does to the, to the, the poor and working class, disabled people? It, it suffocates us until we're all dead. Until You know what I mean? Capitalism can't keep rising. It's not working. People are fooled. They think it's working because of the media and other things, you know. Well, that's all part of the same system. I mean, everything's connected to each other. Um, the last thing you stated about the military, we talked about those issues that you referred to on the forum. Um, our military budget is larger than the next nine countries combined in the world. So um, yeah. we've dedicated whole episodes to a lot of these issues and and we're going to continue to because um, we need a little bit more precision. And I think that's where my um, expertise comes in as far as being able to organize and get the types of guests that we need to get on here to um, educate about uh, some of these um, more serious issues and delving into, you know, what's the cause, what's the effect, what can we do to maybe, you know, provide solutions to some of these issues. Um, and there's no quick fix. Um, but the education, I think, is a, an important part of it. And that's kind of the contribution of the forum is to serve as a public education forum because um, it is difficult for people to, to find the answers that they're looking for. It's not an easy thing. If it was easy, we'd be able to circumvent the system. And right. we've, that, that's been done many times in the past. And when people do try to circumvent the system, they disappear. Um, and, and we know- yeah, Exactly. Mm -hmm. so, yeah, <laughs> it's, it's, it's easier said than done, but hopefully um, conversation by conversation, we are able to reach people and at least get those people to question, step back a little bit. Hey, what's going on here? You know, maybe it's not as um, attractive as it seemed at, at first glance, but yeah. um, I'm going to link all your information in the description. Mr. Randy J. Delaney. This is a wonderful episode 60, and uh, we will be in close contact for sure. Be sure to tell your audience um, and your friends and loved ones about Kiko's Freethinkers Forum. I hope everyone else does the same um, so we can get some of these smaller platforms more visible. But I think tomorrow we have Jasmine Sherman. Jasmine's going to be um, on the forum again, episode 61, to talk about their campaign. Um, Jasmine's run for president of the United States. Jasmine Sherman is currently, I believe, they're in New York City, and there was the um, the protest against the fossil fuel industry that's been pretty um, documented right now. I have my own views about that event, but um, hopefully I can ask um, Jasmine Sherman tomorrow about their involvement in this event and what exactly that's about and, and Sherman's platform for the 2024 upcoming presidential race. But in the meantime, beautiful people, um, enjoy the rest of your afternoon. And um, Mr. Delaney and I, I'm pretty sure we'll talk soon. And, yes, we will. and the episode will be released at 4 o'clock p.m. Central Time. 
So expect it to be released in a few hours, okay? On the official YouTube channel, Kiko's Free Thinkers Forum. Subscribe, like, tell your friends and family, and enjoy the rest of your day. Cheers, everyone. All right, love.